Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up in just a bit, going to be joined by Diana Rossini of ESPN as we'll be going around the National Football League and talking all things Kansas City Chiefs when Diana joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Joining me today is the one and only Coach Bo. Brian O'Connor is here with us for most of the show today as Thomas Bridges is off. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're off to a good start to your day, my friend. Yeah, doing well. Hey, thanks for having me in and uh, uh, taking kind of keeping Tom's seat warm for a week and let him get back next week and get back to things. Yeah, and uh, of course, you get some great things going on at O'Connor Advisory Group that we'll talk about uh, during the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em segment, but uh, the holiday season really is here, yeah. and uh, no better way to uh, really present a present to the folks than uh, showing them that you care with uh, O'Connor Advisory Group. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be your partner in your financials and uh, your insurance needs, so just give us a shout. We'll talk more about that in the pick segment, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, let me expound a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, and uh, real quick, uh, where can people contact you? Oh, you, best way to catch me now, our new website. Our new website's up, compliance approved, finally. Uh, OAGKS.com. It's uh, OAGKS.com for O'Connor Advisory Group. We'd love to chat with you. Awesome. And you can contact us directly on there. There's a form fill to contact directly to me. That's great. OAGKS.com. And uh, we'll talk about that more coming up in uh, the pick segment later on in the show. We have plenty to discuss on the Jones Report today. But I do have an announcement to make off the top. And I'll be honest, a couple days ago, I was not prepared to talk about this. Uh, this all happened very quickly. Uh, but I am uh, leaving my day job position with KLWN, doing the morning show that I've done there for two and a half years. And I've worked at the station for... Over six years now, leaving on my own terms. Uh, no one's pushed me out the door. This was a decision that I made. And the reason why that is, is I have accepted a new position with Gray Television in Omaha, Nebraska, to uh, be a anchor and producer for their new national news network, uh, which is called Local News Live, a 24-7 online streaming network which is set to launch on january 20th i'll start january 4th and we're uh, gonna do the news and i'll still do some sports coverage still get to do this show and such but i will be leaving lawrence uh a place that's been just terrific that's treated me like one of their own a kid that had been here one time before i moved here in 2014 and i fit right in right away you know Spent time at Haskell and KU, of course, and and uh, you know, right down the road from Kansas City, and uh, a lot of time spent in KC as well, and and uh, very thankful for uh, all the things I've gotten to cover over the years, from uh, Chiefs football to the University of Kansas to Kansas Speedway, Sport of Kansas City, the Royals, the list goes on and on. Uh, just all the great things. But this was an opportunity that uh, could have passed up, and Sean Wheat who actually I worked with way back when I first started KLWN. He's the executive producer of this new network, and he came to me with an offer, something I couldn't refuse. And so over the next couple of weeks, after Christmas rolls around, I'll be transitioned to this new job. So I'm excited. 
I'll certainly miss a lot of folks. There's no question about it. Lawrence is a second home, and I love the people here, and they've been family to me, and uh, certainly we'll be back from time to time. I'll be back in Kansas City from time to time. Uh, no question about that. You know, my sister still lives in Lawrence and such, uh, but it's time, and I'm excited about this next chapter, this next step. And Bo, you and I, we've known each other for several years before – even having you on this show as a regular or doing high school football games with you. And, and uh, I mean, Bo's an example here. We were just friends, you know, commonly here. You yeah. know, we, we, it wasn't necessarily even about, you know, business or work or anything like that. Just Bo was one of those type of people. Some, someone that was here at Lawrence that, uh, you know, just checked in every once in a while and, and had a relationship with. And, and that's how I, I came across so many people around here that were just like Bo in that sense. So Bo... I thank you. I thank Lawrence. Uh, it's been a great run, and uh, you know, can't say enough great things about my time and Lawrence. And excited for this next chapter. I think I can speak for most most everybody who's listeners, friends, people who know you, both professionally and casually as friends, and say we're very proud. This is not a surprise. Uh, you know, this is something not a surprise in the that you're really doing something bigger, and. Uh, I don't think it's maybe the first stop of, of, a, of an outstanding career for someone who is really on the upswing in his career. And um, I'm so proud of you as a friend. And uh, I think it's going to be – I think you're going to enjoy it. I think it's a great opportunity, and I couldn't be happier for my friend. I thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I want to make it very clear, too, that uh, – Everyone is on the same page on this. I'm not leaving on bad terms with KLWN and Great Plains Media one bit. They've been very gracious. In fact, my boss, Jonathan Monk, told me to take this job. When I came to him and said, I have an offer, this is what's going on, he said, you need to take it. You cannot pass this up. This is a golden opportunity. Uh, you'd be silly not to and silly to stay here. So, uh, so I listened, and you know, he actually even helped me Gave me some advice on how to negotiate on this this contract, you know, this deal that uh, came together. So, and, and I've been doing this show since I was 15 years old. This show's meant a lot to me. And, you know, we've grown a, a podcast network of sorts. There's some other things in the works down the line. This show's not going away. We're still going to do the Jones Report, as we've done for what will be our 10th year in 2021 of this show which is crazy to think about. But this show is, you know, part of my identity, who I am. And, and uh, you know, get together with guys like Bo and, and with, you know, of course, Thomas Bridges, who you're uh, on this show, who's uh, been along with me since from almost the very beginning of this show and all the guests that you, you hear from time to time. We're still going to be able to do this. We're still going to do this show. And, and that was very important. Uh, I mentioned when we negotiated, you know, and such, I said, you know, I want to keep doing the Jones Report. I was very specific about that. And so... You're still going to hear from me. You're still going to hear from Bo. You're still going to hear from Thomas Bridges. We're all going to play a part in this show in the foreseeable future. So uh, very excited about that. That Not only do I get to move on and take that next step, but still get to continue what we've started here because it's been pretty special doing this show for a long time, Bo. Yeah, and, and, and again, I, I just go back to I'm so happy for you. And uh, this has been your baby and – and a big part of who you are, and that's wonderful. And I, I'm glad they let you keep it and let you keep the opportunity. I think that would have possibly made some differences in what you're doing. But uh, man, I, 
it's good that you're going to be able to keep your radio chops up by yeah. continuing the pod. And uh, as we've talked about numerous times, that you know content is king, and you're building quite a little network here. And I know we'll have some more announcements on the network here in a few weeks. Yeah, some of the things going on, and I hope to be a part of that too. So yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, you, you may have noticed a little tease there, uh, but we'll kind of keep it at that. You'll figure out down the line. But Bo is very much a part of our future. We'll, we'll leave it at that uh, as far as that goes. But there's some stuff in the works we're excited about with this show and the direction that this media company is going and uh, these next steps. And Omaha, Nebraska, I got some great memories of Omaha, actually, uh, professionally and uh, personally speaking, over the years already. That was where I was when uh, – KU beat Duke to advance to the Final Four and got to cover that. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but I had a little too much fun the night before KU beat Duke, and uh, I uh, may have uh, had to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night uh, to let something out of the the front of my throat, Uh, but it was a fun night. Nonetheless, KU won, so it was all worth it. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there, Tyler. Oh, yeah. We all know. Yes. So has got some great memories for me and many more to be made. Um, going to be a little bit colder than uh, what I've experienced here at Lawrence. But reminds me a lot of my hometown of Tulsa, in, in all honesty. Very similar. College World Series being there. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, working for a national network based in Omaha, um, I like the idea, in, in all honesty, of that, I'll get to be just another guy in that town. You know, I mean, I'm not going to have people, you know, watching everything I do, wondering what the the local news guy is doing or something like that. You know, I get to just live a normal life, but do it in a uh, you know medium sized town of sorts. You know, and and uh, get to live that up. So I can't be happier. I'm excited about this next chapter, and and uh, we'll see where things go from there. But we'll move on. Enough about me. We'll have some more details in the coming weeks. This show will continue on, as we mentioned, and uh, excited for uh, what's ahead because uh, there's some big things ahead uh, for sure. And uh, we'll talk to Diana Rossini coming up later on the show as uh, we continue with uh, our coverage on uh, the Chiefs and the National Football League. But that's where I want to start. Chiefs this week set to take on the uh, New Orleans Saints, which just happens to be Bo's team. You're, he's a big Saints fan. I am. And, Bo, we watched – the Saints-Eagles game together on Sunday. We did. And I know that the numbers will sit there and tell you that, wow, Taysom Hill threw for almost 300 yards, you know. And, and man, he had to come back. He had a chance there and such. I, I watched every play of that game, and I've watched you know, several of these Saints games. And I know that, you know, that he, he's got one loss since taking over as the – Saints starter when Breeze went down. Taysom Hill's not it, man. I mean, there's too many missed throws. He's stepping into too many sacks. There's things there that the numbers aren't telling, that aren't telling the full story. What's the saying? Stats are for losers. Yeah. Um, I'm just not buying into the Taysom Hill experiment. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm feeling pretty good about facing Taysom Hill if that's the case. If Drew Breeze can't give it a go, if Jameis Winston's not going to play. Fine. Give me Taysom Hill. You'll take that all day long. With this Chiefs defense, it's all, you know, they had an okay performance against the Dolphins last week, able to get around four sacks, which was the highest they had gotten in several weeks. 
Um, you've had issues with that pass rush. Frank Clark has not been the pe- player that he is paid to be, all that money they're throwing at Frank Clark. And that secondary hasn't stepped up like they would have liked. Um, but we've seen some improvement You need from Juan Thornhill. Need to see more of that, less Dan Sorensen, um, some of those things there. But if I'm this, you know, suspect Chiefs defense, Taysom Hill, please. Drew Brees, Jameis Winston shows up, then we're talking about a really good ball game here. But I, I don't uh, give the Saints much of a chance if Taysom Hill is going to be the guy. That's who I want to see if I'm that suspect Chiefs, Chiefs defense, personally. Okay, so here's where I agree with you a lot. And I've watched pretty much every snap of the Saints this year. That is my team. Um, as a Saints fan, oh, I'm worried about this week. Um, I understand why Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback. Sean Payton is looking at Taysom Hill, and he has to know right now, because Drew Brees is not going to be back in 2021, he needs to know who his starting quarterback is next season. He needs to know if it's going to be Taysom Hill. I can tell you that it's not Taysom Hill. Um, The most overrated number in football this year, last two seasons, is this narrative I'm seeing it from all my friends who are Saints fans and the, the Houdat Nation. If you get on Twitter and you see the Houdats, we're all out there and they're saying the Saints are 8-1 and one without Drew Brees. Yeah. I'm telling you now. And the one loss is to the Eagles. Because they went 4-0 last year with Teddy, with Teddy Bridgewater against four bad teams. Uh, they played horrible this past week. Absolutely horrible. The defense played bad. The offense was wretched in the first half. Taysom Hill's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Plain and simple. He's damn sure not a franchise quarterback. And we talked, you know, before about the difference between a franchise quarterback and a starting quarterback. Um, if you're a Chiefs fan and you were thinking about this week, I agree. You want the Saints to show up at Taysom Hill. Jameis Winston and the knock on Jameis Winston is that he throws a lot of interceptions. But he's an actual quarterback. Right. He's an actual quarterback who's actually pretty good. He just threw a lot of interceptions. The guy that I compare those interceptions with historically, I'm not saying the type of player he is, is Terry Bradshaw. A guy that if you look at the interception numbers and you look at the length of those throws, most of them are deep balls. Right. They're basically punts. Yeah. They're third down in 15, and he throws a 40-yard bomb that ends up being an interception. Well, and if you look at what Tom Brady is doing under Bruce Arians, it's proof that Bruce Arians was a huge reason why Jameis threw a lot of those picks. Yeah. So, I, as a Saints fan for this season, for 2020, I would rather have Jameis Winston. He gives the Saints the best chance to be successful in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, we don't know when Drew Brees is back. I saw this week that he is not playing in this game, most likely. I don't think he'll be back to the playoffs. But Taysom Hill is not it. He is not the guy who should be leading this team. I think we've seen in these three games so far, he's not the starting quarterback. He's a tight end. He's a nice little piece you can plug in around the field that can be a matchup nightmare because of his combination of size and speed. Athletically, Taysom Hill's a little less athletic than um, Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying he's the player Travis Kelsey is, but you can scheme him similar to that. Yeah. And he can also take the snap and run the football but he's not going to go out there and win a football game. So here I do like the Chiefs this week. I think I've watched a lot of the Chiefs the last few weeks. Their defense is improving. 
This happened last season with them too. The Chiefs' defense got better and better through the season. And this past week, the Chiefs uh, came in, didn't play, didn't play great offensively. Mahomes had a three-interception game. And the defense kind of picked them up a little bit at times. Yeah, You could argue the fourth quarter is a couple extra scores in there that maybe the defense let them down. You're going to be a little more wide open in that time. But the defense is what kept the Chiefs in the game last week. Yeah. And I think it's Tyron Matthew time. I'll tell you now, Tyron Matthew's going to have a huge game against the Saints. Watch. He's going to have a huge game. Well, and look at what he's done. Yeah. The honey badger as of late has been on quite a tear. Uh, he's got four interceptions in the last three games. Uh, he is playing the best football of his career right now. He was an all-pro last season, and this year he's taken up even another notch. And not only are we seeing that he is such a ball hawk getting those picks, but he's also leading that defense. It's yeah. pretty clear. You know, Frank Clark has disappeared, uh, and, and we know that he's a vocal guy and everything, but he has disappeared. Uh, Chris Jones has not had the year that he had previously. And so it's been a lot of talk out of Chris Jones, but not a whole lot of results. Uh, not He hasn't played bad, but he hasn't played to his full potential. This is Tyron Matthews' defense, and he's yes. the best player on that defense Fine. as of right now. Now, Chris Jones, I think, has the highest ceiling on that defense. But right now, this is Tyron Matthews' defense. You expect him to have a big day. All signs point to that there's no reason why he shouldn't. Yeah, not only is he the best player, I think he's the best player on the defense. I think he's the second best player on the Chiefs roster. I think he's the second best football player on yeah. the roster. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is on a whole other level. But Matthew is so good because not only can he cover, he can help out. You can use him in different types of coverages, whether you're bracketing the tight end, playing cover corner on a slot. But they can use him in the run game as well. And they can get him up to the line of scrimmage. There's so many things you can do with him. He is basically a linebacker playing safety. He's a tackler. He's an excellent cover. He is the, I mean, he is a Swiss Army knife on the defensive side of the field. And he is the, to me, the linchpin of that defense. Um, I made the argument late last season with a lot of my friends who are Chiefs fans that I thought he was the most important player late in the season, the last month of the season, and in the playoff run. Except for Mahomes. Yeah. I really thought so last year. Mm -hmm. And he's showing it again now. He's excellent. I expect him to have a big game. They're going to put him in a lot of different places, move him all around, a lot of different looks. That's going to confuse Taysom Hill. And when the when you're expecting the Saints to run the football, you're going to see Matthew at the line of scrimmage, and he is going to bring it. I expect a huge game from Tyron Matthew. I don't know if he'll have another interception. I don't think the Saints will throw as much. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to muddy up that game. I expect defensively, big game from Matthew. Offensively, Tyreek Hill is a nightmare. He's going to have a nightmare for the Saints defense. The Saints defense is either the top three defenses in the league, if you ask me. Yeah. The problem they have, they have this great front four. Their linebacking core is excellent. They play a lot of two linebacker sets with um, Demario Davis and Quan Alexander, who they just picked up a few weeks ago from the 49ers. And both those guys can play sideline to sideline. So it enables them to spend a lot of time in nickel. 
with five DBs. Where that's helpful is you get a lot of a lot of help with coverage. You can also scheme up some different blitzes, some different things you can't normally do with three linebackers. The Saints have a great front four. The other the problem is is that when that front four does not get pressure on a quarterback, the DBs for the Saints actually lead the league in penalties. Patrick Mahomes does an incredible job of seeing the guy who is being held, who there's some illegal contact, and throwing the ball that way, knowing that, hey, I'm not going to complete this pass, but I'm going to get the flag. Yeah. How many times in the last couple of years have you been watching the Chiefs game and there's a penalty and you can see the camera on Mahomes and he's pointing to the other side of the field? He knows it's on them. He knows exactly what the call is. That's going to happen a lot this Sunday. Yeah. Um, you, you, a couple things there. You mentioned uh, about the Saints, what they need to do. You run the football. Kamara, I think, is going to be a bit of a problem, especially for a Chiefs team that is not good at stopping the run. I do have concern about how you defend Kamara. Uh, I think that's the Saints' best chance is for Kamara to have a big day. Yes. Um, offensively for the Chiefs, what's so interesting is that we have seen – you know, not only is it Tyreek having a big year, but Travis Kelsey's leading the league in receiving. That's unheard of for a tight end. He is doing things that you should not be able to do at the tight end position. And it feels like it rotates the week of who has the big week, whether it's Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, sometimes both of them. Um, but it's almost a, a situation where you got to pick your poison. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks focused on Kelsey, and they got burned for almost 300 yards by, Travis, by, uh, by Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, with with the Saints, you you think it's going to be they need to focus on Tyreek Hill? Well, I don't think they need to focus on Hill. I think they need to focus on that front four getting pressure on Mahomes. Yeah, um, to make him make decisions quick because they cannot let their DBs cover yeah. too long. Um, the, you get more than two seconds of Mahomes that ball in his hand, someone's getting open. Yeah, that's the biggest issue. Is he does a great job. Mahomes being does a great job of stepping side to side, moving outside the pocket, getting time. Someone's going to get open. Where I think that Hill's going to have a big game. He's going to have at least one big 40, 50 yard catch. Yeah, and where I see that is Mahomes is going to get going to get loose certain point. Hey, you just can't stay with with Hill. Right. There are no corners that can stay with Tyreek Hill for the New Orleans Saints. There's just none. There's nobody who can cover him. Now, what the Saints will probably do is Malcolm Jenkins will see a whole lot of their, their safeties, will see a whole lot of time doubling Kelsey. Yeah. It's easier to do that than it is to try to double uh, Hill. Chiefs will move Hill around, get the matchup they want, buy some time, probably keep an extra blocker in it time to time, throw deep, throw deep. They're going to soften it up. If, if the Chiefs offensive line gives Mahomes time, he's going to cut the DBs from the Saints up. And it may not be in yardage necessarily in big plays at times. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. The Saints do a lot of holding. They do a lot of illegal contact. <laughs> they're just, they're, it's because they're not, they're not as talented. Yeah, They're just not physically as skilled and they depend so much on the front seven. Uh, so I do think that, again, I think Tyreek's going to have a couple of big plays. That's going to be a difference in the game. You mentioned the Kamara thing. This is where I think Taysom Hill is hurting the Saints the most. Okay. We saw the stat while we were watching the game. We watched the game together. Yeah. Kamara's carries have gone 
way down the last three weeks with Taysom Hill because they're running Taysom Hill. They have to scheme pass plays with Taysom Hill. If he's going to try to check two, three different places, the ball's going to one person, and that's Michael Thomas. He's not even bothering looking for Kamara in the passing game. He's just throwing the ball to the to Michael Thomas. We watched the game. I kept complaining about the whole first half. Oh, yeah. And in the second half, we saw the first two possessions. The Saints mixed it up. But what did I say on every single one of those plays? They schemed that guy open. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Traquan Smith or Kamara or um, um, Jared Cook, a couple of their other skill position guys. They scheme guys open. Now, that's fine in college. But, but that shit don't fly in the NFL. Uh, it, plain and simple. He, yeah. he, he's not good enough for quarterback to do checks, to, to go from one receiver to the next to the next. He can't even go from one to two, much less one, two to three. And right. you cannot do that in the NFL. In the NFL, you must be able to read a defense. The Chiefs are going to confuse Taysom Hill. They're going to show him a whole boatload of looks. They're going to blitz a lot. And... I don't think your concern about Kamara is really that warranted because the Saints' offensive play calling has been so atrocious the last couple of weeks. They're going to have to either get back to running the football or throw Jameis Winston in a quarterback. Yeah. So they, so they can run the football. Right. Right. I mean, it's that's the Saints' best chance is getting Kamara involved and go from there because yeah. the Chiefs have struggled stopping the run. Yeah. And so we'll see yeah. uh, what happens there. As, as far as Patrick Mahomes goes. One thing that I love about Patrick is that he has stepped up in the biggest games. Um, you know, last week they're playing at noon against Miami. Miami's going to be a playoff team, but if, I, I don't find it a coincidence that it was the 12 o'clock start against, you know, Miami that he had the three interception game. Yeah. You know, there there's another level this guy kicks it into when it maybe matters a little more, when people are starting to pay attention a little bit more of some yeah. sorts. This is one of the games of the year in the league. People had this circled on their calendars before the season began, this matchup. Now, they were hoping it was going to be Mahomes and Breeze, but yeah. nonetheless, this is a game that we've all wanted to see. Yeah is this matchup here. And so I think you're going to see a little something extra, and I would say you're probably going to see something a little extra from Andy Reid too. What, oh, yeah. What's gone on with the Chiefs throughout this season is that they've played at about 70 to 75% of what they're capable of, not necessarily playing down at their competition, but just not trying to show too much. But when the games mean more, they start to show more. And so I think that you're going to see the Chiefs show more, and that's going to play right into Patrick Mahomes' hand of stepping up for these bigger games. And after his three-interception performance last week, Aaron Rodgers with a nice week against Detroit, it's back to, according to Vegas anyway, Aaron Rodgers is now the MVP favorite again. He won't admit it publicly, but you know Patrick wants that MVP too. I think there's going to be something a little extra from Patrick. I think so too. I totally agree. I think that when you look at this, I think I think the Chiefs are going to scheme up some things that are going to be ready for if this game is close in the fourth quarter. Um, what you've seen with Andy Reid in the past is that he usually schemes up a couple of plays in the second quarter and then has some stuff late in the game. We haven't seen a lot of that this season. No. 
Uh, I think we did see, I can't think of, they did a little bit of a formation with a fullback in there a couple times just to run a couple of simple plays just so that now the teams like the Saints this week or the teams in the Last playoffs. Last week against Miami, first yeah. drive, they did I formation and yeah. the option. Yeah. I don't know if we'd ever seen either one all season. And, and that, that's only so that now the defensive coordinators here late in the season and in the playoffs are looking at their film and they're going, Okay, we know they've got this. This isn't a problem. The option play is not the problem. They're going to force Mahomes to pitch the ball to Edwards Hilaire, whomever, and you just stop the run the running back. Where the problem is is what's the next um, the next stage of that? Yeah. So what are they setting up? And the creativity that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have. That's what you've got to look for. That's what that was all about, beginning of the game last week. It could be to set up something this week. It could be to set up something in the third quarter of a game in the second week of the playoffs. You just don't know, but there's something coming off, some things like that. That's what offensive play calling is. Mm-hmm. And those little things like that, you pointed that out to me and we talked about it, and that's that's what that is. Yeah. Uh, there's we already know there are stuff that's up Andy Reid's sleeve right now, Eric Bieniemy's sleeve. They haven't even shown it yet. They've already got it put in, most likely. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is, but right. it's it's in there. They just haven't had to use it. They haven't had a need to use it. Frankly, they may not have the need this week if things go as I expect them to go. Yeah. Um, and as a Saints fan, it breaks my heart to say that. But I, I a week ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I thought this might be a Super Bowl preview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a half Super Bowl preview, if you ask me right now. <laughs> the, Chiefs are the, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, and the Saints are going to drop a game early in the playoffs that they always do. And, and Taysom Hill, uh, if uh, if these two teams meet later in the year, it, he would be on the field, but yeah. not obviously in the well, same role. Taysom Hill is to the Saints what – I don't even know who that would be for the Chiefs, but he's a guy who can give you some different looks. He can you can put him in at quarterback on third and one, he gets you the first down because you don't want your you know forty year old quarterback and Drew Brees to get hit. Um, you know he's a guy you can throw in at the fullback position and he's going to go catch a pass. You know he's he's a nightmare for a matchup, but he's not a quarterback. Yeah, and if you look at the teams that are the top teams. The only team that doesn't have a quarterback is the New Orleans Saints. Mm. They're playing with smoke and mirrors this last three weeks. Yeah. And I fully, I know it's a little preview of our pick segment. I fully anticipate that smoke and mirrors is not getting the job done this week. We'll uh, pick that game coming up later on the show. But uh, let's go ahead and go around the rest of the National Football League. Coming up tonight, Chargers take on the Raiders on Thursday night football. The Raiders, it has been a rough stretch since that game against the Chiefs that they uh, came close to winning. Uh, now they're 7-6. and six. They're a three-point favorite. Um, Must-win game, and the Chargers, I know that they had a disappointing showing against the Patriots two weeks ago. Not a given. The Raiders are just going to win this game either. Must-win game. They need to step up, and in particular, that defense uh, with uh, Rod Marinelli as their uh, new defensive coordinator. Yeah. Really needs to slow down Justin Herbert and company and, and get this taken care take care of business here. Yeah, Raiders defense looked awful last week, and we, you never want to um, over oversaturate your, your mind and your feelings for the pre, the next week with what happened last week. 
But that defense was horrible last week, and then Gruden fires his defensive coordinator after the game. Yeah. And uh, I see why. I mean, he it was a horrible game, horrible called game. They didn't play well. They weren't scheme right. They weren't prepared. It was the worst performance I've seen from a John Gruden coach team in a very long time. Um, the Raiders have been a surprise to me in that they've already got seven wins. I thought they'd be an 8-8 eight and eight kind of team. I gave Gruden a little more credit than some going into this season. And a month ago, I was buying in on them. I liked what I saw. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've always said the thing I didn't like about that team was the quarterback. I still don't like their quarterback. But um, but at the same time, that's a team that I think is a good team. They've just gone – it's three weeks in a row they've lost now? Is it three in a row they've lost? They have lost – well, they beat the Jets. Yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was two weeks ago. They've lost three out of their last yeah. four. They, they got a defensive coordinator fired for making a bad call, happened to win the game. Uh, and then they got their defensive coordinator fired the next week. Yeah, so um, hopefully the Chargers defensive coordinator has a job come Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the head coach for that matter. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the Raiders are kind of Jekyll and Hyde right now, but they just it's just these last three weeks they haven't played well. This could be a bounce-back game, and you know John Gruden's working hard this week. You know, he's sleeping in the office. He's doing yeah. all the things he can do. It's a do. must win. Playoff race is getting tight. We've got a few weeks left to go. It is. They looked like a lock to make it into the wild card just three weeks ago. Yeah. Now things are going a different direction. And then the Ravens won Monday night, and that made it a little harder for the Raiders for the Raiders as well. So, yeah, yeah it's it was looking like we had two teams that were, you know, one passing each other, and now it looks like the Ravens are a little better and the Raiders coming back down. So. Right. We'll see what Steve Kornacki has to say about everything on Sunday Night Football, yeah. where it all stands. Then uh, we got a Saturday doubleheader this week uh, on uh, the NFL Network. Uh, starts at 3.30. Buffalo taking on Denver. Buffalo coming off a big-time win against the Steelers on uh, Sunday Night Football. And then uh, the week before, of course, got that road win against the uh, Niners. Bills are playing some really good football right now. Denver coming off a win themselves. Drew Locke with the best game of his career so far. Um, I don't think Buffalo's going to have any problems, though. I like the way that they're playing. They're getting hot at the right time. Josh Allen looks like an elite quarterback right now. Uh, Diggs is incredible uh, with you know over 1,100 yards. They should have their way with Denver. I think they'll win and win comfortably come uh, Saturday there in uh, Mile High. Yeah, I like I like Buffalo there as well. Um, I watched we watched a lot of the Buffalo game this week. Now I've I'm still a little I, I'm still undecided on whether I think Josh Allen is the franchise guy. Everything that was great that we saw in the second half of their game Sunday night. I mean, he played excellent. He yeah. played at an elite level. He played at the top five QB level yeah. in the second half of that game. In the first half, he played like a bottom five quarterback. Yeah, He wasn't good at all. And I don't know if it was because it was raining in the first half or they just couldn't figure out the Steelers' defense or what it was going on. But it, the third quarter, the switch got flipped. Really, it got flipped because the defense of Buffalo made a great play at the late second quarter. Gave them some momentum, and then the Buffalo Bills just rolled them out and played excellent in the second half. Uh, they're a dangerous team in the playoffs because they do have an athletic quarterback. They have a good defense. They built that team really well. Um, I don't know what's going to happen under the brightest of lights yet with Josh Allen. Um, I like what I saw at the end of the game last week, though. Yeah, It's tipping me toward liking them a little more. Okay. Uh, Green Bay taking on Carolina. That game 
in Green Bay on Saturday night at 7.15. Green Bay is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. And what I would say is about this this matchup, Green Bay obviously is you know favored, and they should win. But don't sleep on Carolina's capabilities. Carolina, yeah, they're, they're at four wins, but we have seen all throughout this year, whether it was against Kansas City or numerous contending good teams, that Carolina has competed, that they've made some close games. Matt Rule is doing a heck of a job. Teddy Bridgewater's playing well. Um, and they've had injuries. They've been without Caffrey most of the year and such. They've made it some competitive ball games. And the Packers, quite frankly, they're not blowing the doors off teams either. I think this is a, a close game. I would actually take Carolina to cover here. I like I like this Green Bay team, don't get me wrong, but similar to the Chiefs in the sense of they're, they're not putting teams away. I wonder, though, if it if it is, and, and we know this answer with the Chiefs. I don't know this answer with Green Bay. Is it with Green Bay? Are they having these closer games, maybe playing down to their competition a little bit like Detroit? Or are they in the same boat as the Chiefs if they're really just saying something for later? I don't know. I don't know enough about what Matt LaFleur has in mind for later in the next couple of weeks here. So I, I'm a little hesitant to go all the way with you on this one. Um, the Panthers, as far as the Panthers go, I think that – New coach, new quarterback, no McCaffrey. Losing Luke Keekley last, you know, almost last minute. Starla Tulele has opted out for the season, so they're really had some. So with the fact that they've played those games close, four wins, that's actually a credit to who they are. Yeah. Um, the Packers have got Aaron Rodgers. I have a rule about that. What's my rule on Aaron Rodgers? Never pick against Aaron. Rodgers. You never pick against Aaron Rodgers. Um, I always take Aaron Rodgers. If I can get points in Aaron Rodgers, I always take him. But. Uh, no, I, it's hard to say that they're eight points better. I do see a lot of similarities between the Packers. I think you said that really well, between the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are a more talented football team than the yeah. Packers. On defense, they're more talented. And the skill positions on the offensive side, they're more talented. Um, the Packers' biggest problem, in my view, is that they do not have a true go-to skill guy. Aaron Rodgers makes everybody on that team better. But you ever heard you ever heard the thing that since Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback of the Packers, they've never drafted a wide receiver in the first round? So you're not buying in Devontae Adams? No. I, I, he's a fine player and he could be a number one starter, but what I'm he could be a W you know, a wide receiver one. But I think that there's times where he's better because it's Rodgers. I mean, he's got over eleven hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns. Sure, but Aaron Rodgers the one throwing the ball. I really think I've also I'm a little biased on Aaron Rodgers. I think he's the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, I've said that before. I know that people think I'm crazy when I say that. I'm not saying he's the guess- best quarterback I've ever seen. He's the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. Right, and they have not put a lot of pieces around him. Every other franchise that's a competitive franchise over the years that they've got a franchise quarterback. Whether that's you know my New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees, your Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, what do you do? You go and get them more toys to play with. You go get them more things to put on the field to make their job easier and to help them become even better. Right. Aaron Rodgers has done that his whole career without those toys. Imagine if Brett Veach was uh, his GM. Oh yeah. Huh. I mean, 
I, I said on draft day when they drafted Jordan Love, I said, Aaron Rodgers should ask for a trade today. And the reason being is, all right, so now you're going to grab my backup, but you still won't give a guy to me on my offense? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would have called. I'd have had his age. If I was his, where I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd call my agent. It's like, get me the hell out of there. I, I agree with most of what you say, but I do think Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are the exceptions. Jones is going to be a 1,000-yard rusher, maybe even after this weekend. Adams, I think, is a star receiver, but not much beyond that when you get to the other skill positions. Yeah, That's I, where I would disagree, but I get exactly where else. I just think from. that, and I I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC. Yeah. But that's not saying much right now. There are probably four teams in the AFC better than every team in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, now, for Sunday or for Saturday, that game, I do like the Packers. Yeah. And it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bucks taking on the Falcons. That game going to be in Atlanta. The uh, Falcons coming off back-to-back losses to the Chargers and the Saints. The Buccaneers had a nice win last week against Minnesota. Bucks at eight and five, Falcons at four and nine. Is uh, Matt Ryan going to do a lot of Matt Ryan things? If the game's close, he will. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa's favored by six. Yeah, you know the Falcons um, since firing their coach has played a lot better. Yeah, uh, I watched the game against the Saints. Uh, they played so much better. I think that uh, Raheem Morris is keeping that job. I think he's going to come back as the full-time head coach next season. I think it's a good chance. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to get that job. They've played a lot better under him. Uh, I think that uh, they're just seem more prepared. They seem like they're uh, uh, more mo- more motivated. At the same time, we just don't know who the Bucks are. We just don't know. I feel like it's a simple fix with the Bucks. Just quit making Tom Brady throw the football down the field so much. I, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, the big thing with these last couple of years with Tom Brady was keep him upright and get the ball out of his hands in one and a half seconds. And as much as I have always been a fan of, um, of Bruce Arians, uh, and I am a big fan of his, I, I think he's wrong on this one. I think they should – the problem is they've got a couple of deep threats. They've got a couple of guys who can beat you down the field. Mike yeah. Evans is excellent. He's a, he's, a, he's a tough guy to take down the field. But if you can't keep Tom Brady up, if you can't keep him on his feet for two seconds, 2.2, 2.5, he can't get that ball out. That's why they're sacking him so much is that the offense is not made for what he does best. Um, if they can just do some short passing games – you know, a little more of uh, the intermediate passing, the 10, 12, 15-yard, and stretch the field wide, the Bucks will be tough to beat the playoffs. they got to get Brady comfortable. Um, now, having said that, I think he's old. I think he's played like he's old like this season, too. Yeah. Um, he cannot, if he does not get the ball out of his hands quickly, he's in trouble. Um, I think the Bucks are one of those teams, though, that they get in the playoffs. You know, they've been together a full season. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do? That's a team that can all of a sudden just snipe you out of nowhere. You know, they're a 10-6 and six team come to playoffs. They get you on that first week, and all of a sudden they've beaten a, you know, a Packers or a Saints or someone like that. Yeah. Um, the 49ers taking on the Cowboys. 49ers, a three-point favor. That game going to be played in Arlington. Um, this one here... I, I don't really know what to make much of this game. You're talking about two backup quarterbacks going up head-to-head. 
neither one of these teams is going to make the playoffs here. You got to wonder when they start to throw in the towel a little bit here. I mean, it, this it, it sounds cliche, but this actually might come down to just who wants it more at this point. I think I'm going to turn on Netflix and watch TV with my wife. <laughs> That's at noon Sunday. You have other options. I, I'm just not going to deal with uh, the 49ers and the Cowboys. I, I didn't think the, Cow- the 49ers were going to be as good as they were, certainly were last year. We talked about that in the pick segment early yeah. in the season. Uh, I just thought they kind of limped their way to the, to the Super Bowl. They got, got lucky at the end last season. But then the injuries have been killer to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been – they already weren't great with Garoppolo. And then with all the injuries, you know, it's just been really rough. The fact that they're even able to field a team <laughs> – Tells me a lot about what they're doing. Uh, John Lynch is going to be okay. Their GM there. Nick, Nick Mullins doing. ain't it. No, he's not. And they just don't have any any horses that position. And the Cowboys are just bad. I mean, I... I love seeing their misery, though. I do, too. Oh. There's nothing worse than a Cowboys fan. I, oh, yeah. This is the one thing that me and Stephen A. Smith could just drink beer over all night, is that I really dislike the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, I can wallow in their misery Go all night. Yeah. I'll go with the 49ers. I just, I, I'm not gonna watch this game. There's no chance I watch any of that game. <laughs> oh, and I want to say a, a special thank you to Ezekiel Elliott for being an absolutely terrible first round pick in my fantasy league. I had an eighth, eighth, and when Zeke fell to me at eight, I was like, "Well, thank you, everybody, for the present. I appreciate it." He was my first round pick as well, actually, and I'm I've been paying for it all season. Oh my God, I have limped into the playoffs. I missed the play. I got beaten by my son this week. Now, that's embarrassing. It is. Especially if you know both sons. Yeah. Oh, man. He got me both times this season. Both. He beat me twice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Lions taking on the Titans. Uh, Titans are a 11-point favorite against Detroit. This game actually reminds me of last week's Lions matchup when they took on the Packers. You have a Titans team that's... Really good offensively with uh, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and and uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill and company. A uh, Lions team that, you know, a Stafford and company, they can put up points, but they can't play a lick of defense. They've been improved since uh, since uh, they moved on from uh, their head coach, uh, Matt Patricia, here the last couple of weeks. I think the Titans win, but I think the Lions can keep it within a touchdown or so. So before you said the name Matt Patricia, I was going to say the Lions should have fired Matt Patricia week two. They might be in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they've played so much better since he's left. Him and his wooden pencil and his laminated card. I <laughs> God, he's a fraud. He's just a fraud. Um, yeah. So but no, the, the Lions have played. They've shown up. They've been professionals. They've played really well the last couple of weeks. Gave the Packers everything they wanted last week. But the Titans are for real. They're the team that if if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, that's the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. No. And and I'll make the argument, another thing about that team, they have the real MVP this season. Derrick Henry's the real MVP this football season. He's having a hell of a year. Yeah. 1,500 yards? He's having as good a season as a running back's had since Adrian Peterson's prime. I mean, he just, he has been that dominant. You know, it's a position now that you don't get as much love at, but he's been so, so good. And that team's built just perfectly for what they want to do. Ryan Tannehill's not a great quarterback. He's serviceable enough to get them what they need. He's good at the play action. 
They got the best running back in the NFL and a good defense. They're they're tough. I expect, expect them to go ahead and run the Lions this week. Titans taking on the Colts. Deshaun Watson did return to practice after that injury he suffered last week. The Colts with a lot of points in their win against the Raiders, uh, about 44, I believe, to be exact. And uh, Phillip Rivers, we've been dogging him. We yeah, you know, I'm not a fan. <laughs> we've been on him all season saying that the Colts are frauds and all this. Well, now they're 9-4. They're guaranteed a winning record. They're going to make the playoffs, and uh, you know whether it's a division title or a wild card berth, one of the two, uh, they'll be in there. Texans with a, a dinged up Deshaun. I, I feel for Deshaun for all the crap that he's been through there in Houston. But then on top of that, um, that offensive line is so pitiful. I hate saying this, but it seemed like only a matter of time before he was going to get dinged up eventually here yeah. again. Um, I like the Colts here, and – I hope the Texans make it a competitive game of some sorts, but uh, maybe it's time to start giving the Colts a little bit of credit. I, begrudgingly, I will agree. I do not like Philip Rivers. Never have. Um, he's played really. He's played pretty well this season. Yeah, we haven't seen the breakdown, the meltdown where he cries and yells at his receivers, and that's the reason I don't like him. Is that for years when he was the Chargers quarterback, it was always someone else's fault, and it was always that crying face and whining about a receiver not catching the ball. Um, that Colts team is a good football team. I've said to you the last couple of weeks, how good would that Colts team be if Andrew Luck didn't retire? Oh, they would be right up there amongst the best in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome. Um, and then with the Texans, Deshaun Watson, I, I feel, feel for you on that. He is going to get banged around just because of the nature of how he plays. I did float a theory out this week to a couple of friends. I don't know if I told you just yet. Houston Texans, next head coach, Eric Bieniemy. Now, where if I was Eric, why I would say no to the Houston Texans and look at other jobs is that the cap situation's a mess. It is. They don't have draft capital. Um, I think there's better jobs out there for Bieniemy, and he's going to be, Could be. The number number one or number two choice among candidates. You may be there. very right. The point that I made was simply that's a really, really shiny Ferrari you got sitting there in Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And you could do a lot of things with a player like that. Oh, absolutely. So that's that's I, that would not surprise me. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That wouldn't surprise me. And I could see where the appeal would be. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins and Patriots. We won't spend too much time here because we're going to pick this game coming up later on. Uh, but the Dolphins, two-point favorites, taking on Indi uh, a New England team. A must-win game for Miami. I don't care if it's Cam Newton or whoever may be playing quarterback. If you're saying must-win, but i got to go through Bill Belichick, I know the Dolphins are good, Brian Flores and company. I'm still shaking my head if I'm a Dolphins fan. Like, man, this is – we need this one, but it's it's not easy. This is this is tough. Youngest team in the NFL. Yeah. Youngest team in the NFL is the Miami Dolphins. Belichick's been good against young quarterbacks this year, and he's been and he's been good against ex-assistants. Uh, Brian Flores has done a really nice job there. Uh, this is a hard game to pick. I like I like what Brian Flores is doing. Uh, it's hard to count out Bill Belichick though. Bears taking on the Vikings. Both teams at six and seven on the year. Trubisky playing a lot better since he got his job back. And now there's talk of Trubisky being back next year. Isn't that crazy? I, I mean, I still would say 
go ahead and move on. Don't worry, you know, whether it's drafting a quarterback or signing somebody, whatever. But I'll, I'll say this. Credit to Demich for not giving up, for, for not hanging his head, losing his job and whatnot. I think that the Bears can win this game. The Vikings have been such a disappointment this year. Um, I would lean towards the Vikings, but I, I, I'm not counting out Chicago, and, and I'll, I'll, I like what I've seen from Mitch. I'll give him credit the last couple of weeks. I have a feeling that I like the Vikings. Um, I like what's happened with the Vikings since Dalvin Cook got back. Yeah. They're, the offense played a little better. Um, I just – I don't know. The Bears, the thing you're talking about with Trubisky, <laughs> don't let it fool you. You know what you got there. You know who yeah. he is. Don't get, don't you get played here in the last four weeks of the season. Let him go. If you can get out of that contract, it didn't cost you anything. Let him go, and start over. Admit you made a mistake. Uh, they say when you were in gambling, don't put good money behind bad money. Yeah. Don't put that good money behind that bad money. No, 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 no. You better let Mitchell Trubisky go. If he can, if you can get rid of him, it doesn't cost you too much. Just pay it forward and get him on out the paint. And it's not going to cost you anything. Yeah, because uh, they declined his option. Yep. So, Seahawks taking on the Washington football team. That'll be in our pick segment later. First time all year we've picked a game involving the Washington football team. Um, Seattle had that embarrassing loss at home to the Giants a couple weeks ago. Last week they turned around to a blowout win against the Jets. That's the perfect team to ask for a bounce back game. <laughs> um, you think Seattle continues to get back on track here? I mean, Washington's proven to be a lot better team than what uh, they were even just halfway through the season. Uh, I, I don't know what Alex Smith's status is going to be, whether it's going to be Haskins or not, but nonetheless, uh, Washington playing uh, better. We watched a little bit of that game last week. We were watching games together, and I thought, and I even said, how about the job Ron Rivera's doing with that team? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've done, the last few weeks they've looked a lot better they look like they're coming together as a team. And it know? will be Haskins, by the way. Uh, calf, calf tightness uh, with uh, Alex Smith. Yeah, so, I mean, and and they've got a quarterback issue. But, you know, the other thing about it is that you have a new coach this season. With the COVID protocols, practices have been a lot different. So, now a few of these teams, same thing with Carolina we talked about earlier, where a lot of these teams, they just really haven't had time together. And now, yeah, you're 13 weeks into the season, but we're seeing how some of these teams are coming together, and there's some hope for the future. I don't know what's going to happen this week in that game, but uh, I like what I see from Washington, and I think Ron Rivera's a really nice fit there. Yeah, I think so too. Jags taking on the Ravens. That game coming up at noon this Sunday. Ravens uh, eight and five. They're contending for a playoff spot. Jags at one and twelve. Um, should be a big day for the Ravens. No reason to think otherwise. All right, so I got a question for you. you okay. Watch Monday night game, right? Yeah. All right, so um, my man Lamar Jackson had a cramp. Oh yeah. Do you think he had a cramp? No, he had diarrhea. He had diarrhea. He had the bathroom. Clear. Yeah. The, the the poop game. Yeah, <laughs> my man had to go run into the bathroom. <laughs> that was the game of the year. It was really great, and he came back in there and pulled the wall. Uh, a Willis Reed there in the fourth quarter comes back out and throws it. Somebody your age is like, I don't know who the hell that is. Right. But uh, Willis Reed, New York Knicks, look it up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a man came out and throws the throws the touchdown, wins the game. Uh, what an exciting game that was Monday night. And What I liked for Lamar there, too, was he's taken a lot of heat the last few yeah. weeks of folks saying, you know, hey, people, 
he's starting to get figured out. Maybe he's not the quarterback that we think he is. Maybe the MVP was a little bit of a fool's gold of some sorts. And, okay, maybe he didn't have the passing statistics Baker did, but he got the win and he ran the ball for over 100 yards. Yeah. He played to his strengths. That's what you want out of your quarterback. Play to your strengths. He did that. Um, I thought it was big for, for Lamar's confidence in him getting – Back to the MVP type of performance we expect. I think it was a huge game for the Ravens. We talked about earlier, I said, you know, the Ravens and the Raiders are kind of those two teams that are sitting at, the, at yeah. seven in the playoff deal. And you see the Ra- the Raiders last week's played worse. Now the Ravens have stepped up. Lamar Jackson's a big deal. If they can play better, if Lamar Jackson has that confidence, again, another one of those tough outs in the playoff that you don't necessarily want to play. I mean, he's... Is he the player he was a year ago? I, he doesn't have the stats of last year. Right. Is he the player? Probably. He just hasn't had the same numbers. Quit dropping passes, Marquise Brown. Yeah, Hollywood, my man, catch the ball. Come on. You He's on my fantasy team. I, I had to, you I had cannot to bench call yourself Hollywood That's and right. drop that many passes. And, I had to, and I've had to bench. If you have to bench you in fantasy, you got a problem. Yeah. Goodness. He did have a nice uh, go-ahead touchdown there. He did. And, um, and, and it was a great win. For, that was a great game. Yeah. Rams taking on the Jets. <laughs> Rams 17-point favorite. They going to hang 50 on the Jets? No, but they'll get close. <laughs> um, no, I don't think they'll hang 50. I think that Aaron Donald needs to take it off about halftime. Just someone take his helmet and pass from him and let him hang out in the second half. May give uh, everybody the day off. He might He might kill somebody in that game. <laughs> poor poor uh, Sam Donald. Um, you know, I was thinking about the Jets. You know, have you, Did you see the, the Twitter after – the the play against the Raiders the the next day when Greg Williams got fired, yes, Jets fans were just showing out. They were showing love to Greg Williams. You are a martyr. We thank you. Yes. You, your contribution to us getting Trevor Lawrence will never be forgotten. I mean, all those things. I loved them. Thought it was hilarious. Jets fans, you earned my respect on that. Um, they're bad. They're real bad, and, and we knew they were bad, and. They're going to go on 16, and they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And uh, a Jets thing to do, though, is to trade that pick. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Dak Prescott. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, you know I want him to do that. You know I want that to happen for a lot of reasons. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah. It, that's going to be ugly, and I suspect the Rams – I don't think they'll run it up into the 40s and 50s. I don't. <laughs> I think you'll just see the, the Rams run the football a lot, and they'll get really vanilla on defense because, frankly, they can. Three more games uh, real quick. We'll pick this game later. Eagles and Cardinals. Battle of two former Sooner quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Kyle, Kyler Murray, uh, going up head-to-head here. Uh, the Eagles, we mentioned, looked good in their win against the Saints last week. Jalen Hurts over 100 rushing yards. Uh, Kyler Murray and, and company had a nice bounce back last, last week against the Giants. They're the home team here. Six points. Uh, Arizona trying to compete for a playoff spot and such. This is not a given. Uh, I, I think the Eagles, from that second half on with Jalen Hurts against Green Bay to that win last week, got some new life of some sorts. Got a spark in them with Jalen Hurts the quarterback. They definitely got a spark. Um, I don't want to overreact to what the Eagles did against the Saints because as good as the Eagles looked in the first half is how they didn't look that good in the second half. The Saints just couldn't get it together when they needed to in the third quarter to uh, a couple possessions there to get back in that game. And it was just too much of a deficit. 
I do think uh, Jalen Hurts is a better option for the Eagles this time. I don't know if he's the long-term answer. I don't know that either him or Carson Wentz is the law. They're going to have to keep Carson no matter what because of the salary cap number. But um, the team seems to be responding to Jalen Hurts. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how this season ends up. I, I don't know if they've announced if Hurts is going to finish the season at quarterback. I know they said he's playing this week again. I don't know if they've made a commitment to him starting the rest of the season. But um, – I don't see any reason why why not the Eagles should just let him finish the season as a starting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Browns taking on the Giants. Uh, Giants still competing for the East, although the uh, the football team looks to be in good shape now uh, with a couple games lead there. Browns at 9-4. That offense has just come alive uh, there in Cleveland. I, I like what Baker and company's doing. Um, I don't think that they can, you know, Contend to win the AFC or anything, but uh, the Browns look like a team that could win a playoff game or two. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't think the Browns would be a threat to the Chiefs. No, sorry, I, Stephen A. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to throw something against the wall when he said that this week. I didn't see that. What did he say? Or did he say? I didn't see that. He said the Browns are the biggest threat to the Chiefs. I think the Titans are the biggest threat to the Chiefs. They're the absolute best design of a team to, to give the Chiefs a fit. So I think it was Stephen. He thinks that the Browns can outscore the Chiefs. That's not happening. That's not happening. No, no team's going to go on the same field and outscore the Chiefs. Not when the Chiefs have to score a lot. Yeah, no yeah. way. No, that's just not going to happen. Where you're going to beat them is team that runs football, plays defense, and that's why I think the Titans are a better. Yeah, fit. the Browns though. I mean, Baker has played extremely well, and I was not sold on Baker this season. I'm. Still at a hundred percent sold. I'm I'm a I'm not the guy who believes in a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Until um, you've done it consistently over a couple of years at least. But boy, I do like what I've seen. He showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart. He played very well Monday night. Don't want to overreact to that, but uh, they should have won that game first off. Browns should have won that game. And uh, but I and they're 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 tough. Yeah, I like what I've seen there. Uh, Monday night, Steelers and Bengals. Steelers coming off back-to-back losses after that 11-0 start. Um, unless you're going to play the uh, Jets, I can't think of a better way to uh, play a uh, find a bounce-back game of sorts than uh, a Bengals team without Joe Burrow. This should be a yeah. good night for uh, Pittsburgh on Monday. I would agree, and uh, the Bengals still don't deserve Joe Burrow. <laughs> every every uh, week. Really, they just don't deserve Joe Burrow. Uh, you know what, though? They're playing so bad, they're going to sneak their way into the third pick, the third or fourth pick, and they're going to take Jamar Chase from LSU. And they're going to reunite Chase and Burrow. And that's going to be fun. Yeah, well, if they have a good enough coach and if the organization decides they want to be a real organization instead of a, a cheapskate organization. Right. Uh, that's my biggest problem with the Bengals. Just that family that owns that team, they treat it like it's uh, – they treat it like it's mom and pop shop when they've got an NFL franchise. Right. Oh, uh, sorry. I about let with, loose with, a real good customer. Day. With the uh, Steelers, <laughs> Big Ben's got to quit turning over the football. He does. Um, he didn't play great. Um, and they still um, don't have a run game. And we're how many weeks into the season now? Yeah. I, I don't think the Steelers are a threat in the playoff. They're the team that's going to get picked off by somebody. Right. They're the team that can get picked off by the Browns or the Ravens. And we all knew they had overachieved to yeah. get to 11. And yeah, they're, they're going to get picked off by one of those teams. That's the team that's going to get sniped by somebody in the playoff. Yeah. Well, we have more NFL 
conversation coming up. Diana Rossini of ESPN joins us on the other side. Plus, later on in the show, we'll have our counter-advisory group, Pigskin Pick'em, picks against the spread coming up as well. Stay with us as we roll along here on the Jones Report. Diana Rossini joins us next. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from ESPN, it is NFL reporter Diana Rossini, who's back on the program once again. Diana, I know it's been a minute, but uh, welcome back. What's going on? It is awesome to be back. Uh, we got our first snow this week in New Jersey, uh, and I am one of those where the night before it's going to come, I'm like, let's go snow, and then it comes down, and after about two minutes, I'm like, let's go summer, so I'm already over it, uh, but it's definitely making it feel a little Christmassy as the holidays are soon approaching here, Ty. Yes. Uh, are you in your home studio, your home office, by the way? Well, I'm in my bedroom technically. So okay. yeah. When okay. you live I, because I notice in the corner there, uh, is that your uh, wedding picture with your hu- new husband? Congratulations. Thanks buddy. Yeah. Um, somehow we've made it this far along since September and we live in like a, apartment the size of probably like a, like a sneaker. So we've done a good job. We both work from home. So, uh, it's been, it's been a weird like start to a marriage, but, sure. but it's been great. And you know, every day we wake up with text messages from our family, just saying, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> and it's like, dude, we just got married. Give us a second. Oh, you and, uh, and PFC commenter come a long way. Oh, we have, we have. He's actually texting me as we're talking right now, trying to get scoop about the Saints-Chiefs game. Oh. Uh, which, by the way, I'm so pumped to get to New Orleans for this game. This could be a huge game. You know, so you are covering this game this weekend? Yeah. Chiefs-Saints. I am looking at this game Sunday, Diana, and I watched some of Taysom Hill the last couple of weeks, and I'm convinced that he's not the guy, that he ain't it. I have no concerns about the Chiefs going up against Taysom Hill. Heck, even that team with Jameis Winston. Or, you know, especially Drew Brees, of course. But there's nothing to me that just screams that there's anything terrifying about Taysom Hill of some sort. What is your takeaway from Taysom Hill? Yeah, um, I still think Taysom Hill presents challenges that are different than Drew Brees. We know how different the offense is with him there. You know, obviously the mobility is such a factor. Um, You know, he's been struggling with those short passes, which, you know, Drew's really good at. That's really what's moved this offense. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I actually just talked to Tyron Matthew about, about preparation, you know, and going into a game, knowing that you have a hall of fame quarterback, n- most likely not a hundred percent healthy who wants to play, um, you know, and Taysom Hill, you know, the Swiss army knife of a, of a player, you know, a mobile guy. And then you have, you know, James Winston, you know, which is the gun. Um, you know, he's like, look, it's hard to prepare. We're, we're going hard though on Taysom Hill. He's like, and he's really hard to prepare for. He's like, he's harder than he is for Drew Brees. He's like, and I say that respectfully of Drew Brees. He's like, it's just, he just does so much. They know what Drew Brees does. They have enough tape on him. They don't have that much on Taysom Hill. Sure. Um, so I thought that was really interesting in terms of the Chiefs preparing for, for this Saints offense. But I, I think, I think it would be quite the spark if Brees were to come back and start against the Super Bowl champs. So what did the Saints go the direction of Taysom Hill as opposed to Jameis Winston? I think you were there at that first start for uh, Taysom a while back. I fully intended until they made that announcement that Jameis was going to be the guy. What happened? Why not Jameis? So it's funny. I, I was in on all the conversations in terms of what the organization felt 
about Taysom and Jameis. So I'll start with Jameis. And, you know, the day they signed, I remember talking to people, um, you know, with their personnel group um, about Jameis Winston. And they were like all in on him. I'm like, what? Jameis Winston? They're like, yeah, you know, Peyton thinks that they can really do something with him, that, that they can fix him. And Sean Payton loves a challenge. So, you know, they obviously got him for a really cheap price coming away from Tampa Bay. And and you know, everything I've heard coming out of New Orleans about Jameis Winston has been just incredible. The type of teammate he is, the type of, type of understanding, the support he's given Taysom Hill when Taysom was a starter over him. Because, you know, every game, Jameis is the backup, not, not Taysom, because Taysom's got to go play 50 positions. Um. So it was definitely like a little bit of a punch to the gut that, that Taysom got it. But, you know, Taysom and Peyton had a, had a real personal conversation one-on-one in the summertime before he signed his big deal that was basically like, look, this was Taysom saying, I've done everything I, I've asked, been asked to do. Everything you wanted me to do, I've done. I've played every position and I've done well. I'm not asking so much for the contract as I am for an opportunity this season. You went with Teddy Bridgewater this year. I want the chance this time. If Drew goes down or gets hurt or can't play, I want to play. And they shook on it. And Peyton stuck to his word, you know, and and I think he stuck to his word with confidence because he truly believes Taysom Hill is a Steve Young type player. He said that on the record. Um, I don't think we've seen that, but there's, there's talent there. I think we can see that. But Sean Payton, who you got to give credit, is one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the game, you know, thinks that Taysom could be the guy if Drew Brees were to retire at the end of the season. And I, I, I strongly believe it's Taysom's job. Okay. Uh, well, that, uh, that says it all right there. So this offense uh, that the Saints are running with Taysom Hill at the helm, um, we're seeing less of Alan Kamara running the football. I'm looking at this matchup if I'm – the Chiefs defense, uh, Alvin Kamara is the biggest concern of how you stop him of some sorts. What's, uh, is there an emphasis from the Saints of getting Kamara more involved? What's the latest with, when it comes to Kamara? Yeah, that, that's, it's funny. They go through this every year. They sort of remind me of the Steelers at times when, when they get a little pass happy and they leave Kamara out, um, they're not as successful. We see this with Roethlisberger and James Conner. When they don't use James Conner, they're not putting up, you know, 25, 30, whatever points again. And we've seen the Steelers struggle in the last four weeks with their run game. Um, but Alvin's always the safety valve on that team, on their offense. And, and what he's able to do just as a pass catcher, but just the threat he, he, he is. And, you know, talking to the Chiefs defensive players this week, they were, he's the name that comes up more than Michael Thomas. It's always Alvin Kamara and the concern uh, and the production that he brings. And, you know, depending on who's, Back under center, you know, my instinct is if Drew Brees were to come back, this is the kind of game where you really see Alan Kamara take off. This is a type of game. This is the type of offense that this Saints team wants to run. Um, but, yeah, you know, Tyron Matthews going to have his hands full slowing, slowing uh, Kamara down. And, Tyron Matthew, you just got through talking with did, did him uh, before we got on here and – He's playing out of his mind right now with uh, the interceptions that he's had for the last three games, believe it what it is. Um, really just leading that defense, especially seeing that the Chiefs aren't getting the same production out of Frank Clark and Chris Jones that we're used to seeing. Seems like he's really taking over this defense. This is his now. 
it's been incredible. And I said that to him. I said, I don't understand. Why are you having your best season right now? You know, he, it's, he's not young. He's been doing this a while. Um, and he said, you know, I, I kind of play with something to prove all the time. And I think the world believed that I was going to be complacent. We won a Super Bowl. I've had a good few seasons here. He's like, and I just, I don't want to stop. And I put this pressure on myself. Uh, he goes, we do this as a defense too, you know, cause we were, we were joking that, you know, we spent our time at ESPN constantly talking about all hail to Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek and Travis and, you know, all the offensive weapons that, that this chief's team has, but we don't spend enough time talking about some of the stars on defense. And he's like, yeah, we laugh about it. We, we, we know, the, we know the deal though. We're not jealous of our offense, you know, but it's, it's motivation. It's, it's, let's get them talking about us more. Um, so I like that he's got a little bit of that chip. Uh, you know, we we're talking about the Superdome too, Ty. You know, he obviously lost the national championship game in 2012 there. And he played his rookie year with the Cardinals at the Superdome and lost then. He's never won in New Orleans. And obviously he's from Louisiana. Really? He's never won in New Orleans. So uh, he's definitely like looking forward to this opportunity in a Superdome that's not going to be fully packed with fans, you know. Yeah, uh, I did not realize that. that he had a lot of yeah. That had a one at the Superdome uh, throughout all that time. So uh, with all that being said, uh, looking at Frank Clark and Chris Jones, both those guys having down years of sorts, what's it going to take for these guys to, to have a big day and get back on track, especially Frank Clark? Uh, certainly he, he's been the disappointment, uh, the biggest of anybody so far here in 2020 when it comes to that Chiefs defense. Yeah, for sure. I remember going into this season thinking that Frank Clark was going to be just a monster. Um, you know, and it just it just hasn't been that great. And so, you know what I do too sometimes? I, I do think we're guilty of this. We put the Super Bowl champs on this pedestal of perfection at times. And they have flaws. They do. There's, there's no, they're, they're not perfect. But I do think our standard is a little high for them. Um, Granted, I still think Frank Clark needs to do better and play better, and I think most of the defense realizes that. Um, but we definitely compare them to what they were at their peak last year. Um, but I think if there's any game that could be set up for them, I mean, th this is this is one of the biggest games of the year here. You know, we're, we could be talking about, you know, potential – this could be the Super Bowl. You know, this could be the matchup. Um so I think they're going to know that. I think Spags is going to have them ready. And I am concerned for the Chiefs this week. I am because I do think coming off that Eagles loss for this team, they, are, they were stunned by it. Um, and and they're, they're pissed off, frankly. They, they all have bad attitudes this week, which usually means a Saints team is going to come out that week from covering this team long enough. Whenever they're in this mode, they come out at home and they just tear. So I, I, this Chiefs defense has got to be ready for, for, for no matter who's going to be under center. Yeah. I never seen the ESPN, John, I guess, here on the uh, Joe Report this week. So the million-dollar question, Diana, when you look at this Chiefs team right now is with the way things have played out, they haven't covered the spread in about four or five weeks. Um, are they playing down to their competition or are they um, not – necessarily showing everything what do you think it is with this Chiefs team right now do you think they are playing down and have something left in the tank of sorts what say you as far as uh just what they've shown at this point you think 
I've always been a big believer in the Super Bowl hangover and the fact that they're not hungover and they're winning as much as they are. I do think there's moments where they trip and fall on themselves and there's a little bit of playing down to the competition and maybe perhaps not being as hungry and not as prepared because they had a taste of it. But that is the one thing. Anytime I talk to a team that won a Super Bowl the next year, they always admit it a few months into the next season that that Super Bowl thing is real. That feeling. Like, I remember talking to Chris Long about it. And he's like, dude, you don't get it. Like, you're so exhausted by the whole experience. From the parades to the parties to just the energy of what it was. And then you're back out on the you know training camp and it's like, did we just do that? And, and I just remember talking to him, I think it was at the ESPYs right after the Eagles won in 2017 that he taught, he shared that with me. It was like, it is such a real thing. And I'll never, I'll never forget it. Cause I, I just, I could see it in his eyes that he was trying to communicate to me that there's no joke in the Super Bowl hangover. So the fact that the Chiefs have been able to work through that and be as successful as they've been, but I still think they're vulnerable. You look at these AFC, I think the Bills are coming for them. I think that's the only team with maybe perhaps the Steelers, if they can fix their run game, that even have a shot of beating the Chiefs. I like that Bills team. I really do. Uh, McDermott's doing a hell of a job with that group. And Josh Allen is uh, looking like an elite quarterback. So, yeah, certainly a dangerous team. Yeah. It was a good game when they met uh, back in October earlier this year. Uh, Diana Patrick Mahomes, you mentioned the Saints looking for that angry response of some sorts. Patrick Mahomes coming off a very rare three-interception game, and we know how he plays on the biggest stage. You know, he, he steps things up a little bit. Do you expect more from him? Maybe maybe a little anger of some sorts on his side to come out to, to look to bounce back here. I do, and he's another example of someone we take for granted because we just assume he's going to bounce back and be – extra focused and, and, and learn from that. But we haven't really seen him have to bounce back from much. Like we, we've all covered enough Chiefs games and seen enough Chiefs games to, yeah. to see him make mistakes, but not like that. So I'm, I'm more curious. I don't have the answer of what we're going to see on Sunday because I've never seen him in such a hole. I mean, college, yeah. I mean, he threw the ball away a lot uh, in college, but you know, uh, just from, from covering him all these years, he's the, the biggest strength of Patrick Mahomes is his just right in the middle emotion. He's never – I mean, he's high at times, whatever, but because he's excited. But he, he's, he just keeps it right in the middle. So that works to the advantage of a quarterback who's got to forget things and improve from those mistakes. Um, but, but I think this is a good test for him. I, 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 I'm, I'm actually interested in seeing – what he's going to do coming off that loss, which I think we, if we all had a bet on it, he's going to come out ready to go. Travis Kelsey's leading the league in receiving right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill, of course, having a heck of a year himself. Kind of pick your poison when you take out the Chiefs. Who do you expect to be a, a bigger problem for New Orleans to deal with? I think Tyreek Hill is, is, is going to be the issue. You've seen the Saints struggle against that deep ball, and they have not seen speed like this. This is, this is going to test this secondary. We saw the holes against the Eagles, and they don't have anybody. Um, you know, this is going to be – this could be – this is the game where I think part of this Saints defense that has been fantastic, they're the number two defense in the league right now, um, this is where we could see them 
have some blemishes against, uh, you know, against the speed of Hill because there's no one there that can keep up with him. It's not even close. Yeah, uh, it's a great point. Uh, Diana Rossini, John, I guess, here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Diana, a few more things uh, here with you. Just looking at this race for the uh, home field advantage in the AFC, Chiefs have the edge over the Steelers right now. Uh, do you see them giving that up uh, down the stretch these last couple of games? How do you see these last few weeks play out? I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm going to – I'm gonna. the Chiefs are going to lock this thing up. Um, I have just lost faith in the Steelers. And, and, man, I covered them, Ty, in September, and I remember thinking, holy cow, this is going to be the year the Steelers win it. I can't believe it. With Ben Roethlisberger and looking at all his young weapons, and he was so happy – the defense was playing out of their minds. Uh, the offensive line was giving an incredible amount of effort. Um, and then something changed. And I wish I could tell you what it was. I, yes, it's some play calling. And yes, it's some injuries. They dealt with tons of them. Everyone does. Um, but they're just not the same team. They're not. And they got to figure it out. And, you know, they're doing the whole relaxed thing right now. Let's not panic. Because, you know, this is a team that was undefeated last week. You know, the first loss was against the Washington football team last Monday. Um, so it's not like they're, they're struggling. They just are a little bit fake. The, you know, those wins are a little fake. And, and I think they were, they were exposed a bit against Washington. They were exposed against a really good Buffalo defense and an amazing Buffalo offense that we saw. So um, I think the Chiefs can lock this up because I just don't think anyone's going to outbeat them. Yeah, uh, it's a great point. And when you look at these teams in the AFC, you mentioned you like the Bills. Pittsburgh there, Baltimore with a nice win on Monday night there against Cleveland. Cleveland's played a lot better. Um, seems like the it. road ahead for the Chiefs. They may be the clear favorites, but um, I mean, certainly a lot of good good players when it comes down to it for these uh, these playoff spots. Yeah, let's not forget about the Titans. Yeah. Right? Like, they, they come out of nowhere. They're, they're these street rats that just – figure out ways to win against the really good teams, right? Like they can't, they can barely beat the Jags last year. Yet they, they knock out the the Ravens. Well, they knock out the Patriots in the wild card. Then they knock out the Ravens. They keep up with the chiefs in the first half, you know, the, and, and a lot of the guys that are on that team now are, are pretty much the same with the exception of a few guys on defense or defense isn't as good this year, but Derek Henry tractor Cito gets hot in December and January. And they're just going to give him the ball. Ryan Tannehill opens up the run game so much. And I, it's just the Titans are really one of those teams. You, you kind of want to be a fan of the Tennessee Titans because they get so hot in the playoffs. You know, it's like they drive you crazy during the season. They give you a heart attack because they can't beat the Browns. And, you know, they struggled um, against the Bills a little bit. You know, they, they, they had some rough outings, but um, this is when they're good. So, you know, my money's on, on Tennessee making a bit of a run and perhaps running into the Chiefs again in the AFC Championship game. I would make the case, Diana, that the uh, for this playoffs, that the home field advantage thing is not that huge of a deal in this, uh, you know, reduced crowd size. Arrowhead, of course, been, you know, hosting about 17,000 fans all season. But that week off that you get that no one else does, especially on a team like the Steelers, they didn't take that week four bye week, Tennessee as well. Uh, that, to me, is where this comes in huge. Not necessarily playing at all Arrowhead, but just having that week off. It's gigantic. It is gigantic this year. Um, although, if you're the Ravens, remember last year they had that first week off and 
it was the worst thing to ever happen to them. Because they remember they were flying. Yes. They were the best team in the NFL. It wasn't even close. And uh, sorry, maybe the Chiefs right there, but um, they just seemed like the hottest team at the time, um, at least were. And you know they had that that buy and. They just were not good. And, and I think Lamar Jackson talked about it afterwards, just you know, overlooking competition and just losing the steam of momentum. But I, I do think teams that had weird schedule changes and, and weird buys and, and depending on which team had a, you know, was affected by it most, that, that week off is, good, is, is going to be significant and helpful. What do you think of the uh, NFC playoff picture on that side? Well, um, I picked the Tampa Bay Bucks to not even make the playoffs. So I'm not in on them. They're going to make the playoffs now, obviously, but uh, or most likely will. I just, I just don't think they have it. I don't think this is their year. I think next year they're going to be ridiculous. I just don't think this year it's working. Um, Green Bay, I can't ever count Aaron Rodgers out. I just don't think they're going to have enough to go all the way. Uh, I think the Saints are going to be the team to beat, you know, in the NFC. I know, I know I'm ignoring the Rams, but um, – to me, I think the Saints, they were bounced from the playoffs three years in a row in, in, in heart-crushing fashion. This team knows it. And they've been through a lot this year, starting, you know, back in the offseason with the whole Drew Brees, BLM stuff. And, you know, it actually united them. And then they've had a lot of things going on this season. And, and there's something a little different about them um, from what I've seen from years past. I would be shocked if they overlook an opponent this year in the playoffs. I, I, I'm picking the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. Who's your MVP? Is it Mahomes? Is it Rodgers or someone else? Um, when ESPN asked me at the start of the year, I actually said Drew Brees. I no longer think that. Um, I think for this conversation right now, the mid to late December, I, I, I'm going to give it to Mahomes. I'm gonna, I hate it. I wish it was more original. No offense, Chiefs fans. You know, and this is what happens, right? It's crazy. Right. It's like you, you, you're so sick of giving the same answers when we talk about this stuff, and you want to be different, and you want to be creative, and you want to think outside the box. But he's just that good. He's just that good. Yeah, simple enough. Uh, what, what are you doing uh, this weekend with coverage in New Orleans? What's uh, going on there? So I get to do Sunday NFL Countdown, the Fantasy Football Show, Sports Center. I'm going to be busy – and we are only on from um, 10 to noon Eastern this week because at 12 o'clock noon, we have a very special uh, college playoffs show hosted by Reese Davis. So we have a sort of a condensed pregame show. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be down in the dome. I love New Orleans so much. I eat like a fat slob. Um, I don't care. I don't usually like try to be a little smart when I eat on the road. You I got the per diem use it, right? What'd you say? You got the per diem, use it, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the, yeah. the $40 ESPN gives me. Thanks. That buys me a soda. Um, but it's so funny you say that. Whenever I look at my bank account, I always notice in New Orleans, I go way over my per diem. Like, way. And it's because I just, I don't care. I look at that menu and you can't, you can't have a bad meal in New Orleans. And, and not saying I've tried. I just have eaten a lot of different places. And I just come away like every time like gosh it's so damn good i try not to go to the same restaurant twice though because i'm trying to try everything i uh i never got to uh buy you barbecue while i i lived here diana um i feel bad now but you never brought me uh this uh this italian uh the the lunch meat or whatever it is we're not doing this again <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, if you call it lunch meat one more goddamn time, stop freaking doing it. Stop. It's so rude. And to past. Okay. All right. I sent a bunch of people that for Christmas this year, actually. I found this woman that makes, like, it, it looks like a charcuterie board, right? And it's okay. just all the different things I've posted a million times on, on Twitter and Instagram. And this woman makes them and delivers them. So maybe this is what I'm going to get you for Christmas this year because Please I can't. I can, uh, I can send you an Omaha steak in a couple of weeks. All right, let's do that. You send me a steak and I'll send you okay. a board. With, and the thing is the board, right? They write in chalk or something on the board what it is. Okay. So they don't write goddamn lunch meat. <laughs> oh, I can't even have a conversation. Okay. Okay, Diana, uh, I will uh, keep that in mind. Thank you so much uh, for stopping by. And uh, what do I have to do to make it on the wall uh, one of these days? Uh, you don't want to be on this wall. I just fill this thing up so I look like I have a family and friends. Oh, nice. Nice. Anyway, okay. tell your mom I said hi. Okay, I will. She's, she's still a big fan. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. Tell her I'm so proud of her son. Good well, luck to you uh, in your next big adventure. Yes, we will uh, be talking again, Diana. Appreciate the time as always. And uh, enjoy New Orleans. All right. Thanks, buddy. Big thanks to the incomparable Diana Rossini for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Brian O'Connor, back here with you now. Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em, where we pick five college and five NFL games against the spread. And, uh, Bo, first off, what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group? Hey, you know, the end of the year is generally the slowest time of the year for us. We have really been focusing on our current clients and doing reviews. Uh, with COVID, we've had to do a lot of stuff via Zoom. So uh, to any of my clients who are listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We've had a wonderful year. 2020 has been a challenge, but we've actually had a really good year, and it's because we've got great people and great clients. And uh, we want to work with you in the future as you're going forward to 2021. You know, one of the big things that a lot of folks do when they get into January is they start talking about new year, new me, whether that's, whether that, you yeah. know, we all do it. We talk about whether that's getting in shape, losing weight, but what's the one piece everybody does. Some people talk about is this is the year I get my financial shit together. Hey, you want a partner? You want someone who will help you? Hey, we would love to help you. We want to help you be part of the new year, new me for you. And if you want someone to come in and help you with budgeting, financial planning, insurance, anything you possibly, if you just want to bounce questions off somebody, hey, these next couple of weeks, I got some freedom and I got some time. <laughs> so go to O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com. Hit the contact button. Shoot me a quick message. Let me give you a call. Let's chat. And let's see how I might be able to help you going into 2021. And let's make 2021 the greatest year we can make it. Yeah. And uh, you want to talk football with Bo, whatever, you know. And he'll, uh, I'm always up for that, too. He'll be glad to talk. So uh, check him out. O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, check him out online. OAGKS.com. O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com is the website as well. Also on, uh, on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. And then uh, you can also reach uh, Bo by phone at uh, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Last week, Bo, in your picks, uh, not great. You went 4-6 and six after that awesome run you had of 17-3 and three in the two weeks prior. Yeah. 
And so that brings you to a grand total of 73-63-4 on the season. Last week, you and I were tied in the standings for the season, and Tavis had the lead by about four games on both of us. And uh, and that has since changed three games, actually. Now, Thomas ended up having a week where he struggled a bit. He went 5-5. Five and five. And uh, TJ, he went 5-5. Five and five. TJ's been struggling all year. He's at 57-79-4. And then uh, myself, I had a, a pretty solid week. I went 8-2 and two last week, bringing me to a tie with Thomas at 77-59-4. You are at 73-63-4. And a TJ there at 57-79-4. So I have first place, a tie for first place, that is. Uh, heading into uh, this week's picks. So let's go ahead. I don't know why you got to bring up old shit, Tyler. <laughs> hey, you know what? We just got to remind the folks out there. Got to keep them humble. Got to keep them honest. All those jabronis out there. You Jabroni. Know? <laughs> make them humble. Make them humble, yes. Here is the slate this week. In uh, college football, we're going to pick five conference championship games. The ACC title between number three Clemson and number two Notre Dame. That game in Charlotte, Clemson a 10.5-point favorite. The SEC title game, number one Alabama, number one Florida. That game in Atlanta, Bama a 17-point favorite. The Big 12 championship, number 10 Oklahoma and number 6 Iowa State. That game in Arlington, OU a 5.5-point favorite. The Big 10 title game, number 14 Northwestern and number 4 Ohio State. That game in Indianapolis, Ohio State a 20.5-point favorite. And the American Conference championship, number 23 Tulsa taking on number 9 Cincinnati. That game in Cincy. The Bearcats a 14-point favorite over the Golden Hurricane. In the National Football League, we talked about this game off the top of the show. Chiefs and Saints. Chiefs are a three-point favorite going to New Orleans. The Seahawks taking down the Washington football team. That game in D.C., Seattle five-and-a-half-point favorite. The Browns taking on the New York football giants. The real football team, right? Uh, (laughs) The... uh, uh, Browns are a four-point favorite. Patriots taking on the Dolphins, a battle for the AFC East there, and uh, the Dolphins are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Eagles and the Cardinals, the uh, battle between two former Oklahoma quarterbacks, Arizona, a uh, six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. So let's go ahead and get started in college football with the ACC title game. Number three, Clemson taking on number two, Notre Dame. And a Clemson favorite at ten and a half. Bo, I look at this game here, and you had a great game early in the year between these two teams. Arguably the game of the year in college football this year when these two teams met up at South Bend. Game went to overtime. It was incredible, and Notre Dame ultimately ended up uh, pulling off that victory there. And and here's my thought process on this. Clemson did not lose this game because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Offense was not the issue. The defense gave up way too many points to Notre Dame here. And so Clemson at 10.5, I think Clemson wins the game. I do. But I think Notre Dame can keep it within that margin. I'll go Clemson to win too many points, though. And last time I made the mistake of saying it's still Clemson. We know what Clemson does. And Clemson was about a a 6.5-point favorite out Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, they lost and they didn't cover. I'm not making the same mistake twice. Give me Notre Dame as the ten and a half point underdog there. Bo, who you got? I this hurts me to say. I don't like either of these two teams. Um, 
I'm taking Notre Dame. If my brother Barry is listening to this, Barry, I love you first off. And secondly, yes, I'm picking your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And uh, my younger brother, Notre Dame is his team. He's a face painter and everything. Oh, no, he's not a, a face painter. Oh, he's a face painter. No. He's all, all in Notre No one I have ever known is a bigger fan of Notre Dame than my brother. That's why I've always hated them. Um, <laughs> so I think that the big, thing, the big reason I'm going Notre Dame here, they've played well against good teams. They played North Carolina. They beat they beat the hell out of North Carolina. Um, North Carolina has played well lately. I think that that's I think it's a good measuring stick. I agree with you. I think that the problem with Clemson in game one was not the offense. Their defense played pretty poor. Um, Notre Dame can score points if they want to. I don't suspect to see 47-40, but I think a little lower scoring. And I do like Notre Dame in a closer game. Um, I like the, I'll take the points. It would not shock me if Notre Dame won this game. I would not be shocked. I wouldn't either. No. I'm not full on ready to call the game and say Notre Dame will win, but I can see it happen. Well, and Notre Dame knows they cannot get blown out in this game. They cannot have, if they make this a close game, then there's no discussion, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're in if it's close. They get blown out the doors. Then we start to all, you know, shake our heads a little bit and wonder, hmm, maybe Ohio State, maybe USC, maybe Cincinnati, something yeah. like that becomes more interesting yeah. than what they were if Notre Dame gets blown out. I think they keep that in mind. They do everything they can to keep that within 10 and a half. Yeah, the thing I want to see is Notre Dame get blown out because I'd like to see Notre Dame play USC in a bowl game. Well, that makes something. And, uh, and one of these, maybe even uh, if the Rose Bowl gets kicked out of the playoff, yeah. which we'll talk about that oh, later, I that's that. potential. Okay. Um, that'd I, be cool. To I'd see like to see that, but I don't think Notre Dame is going to get blown out. That's the only way Notre Dame's not in this playoff. I mean, if Notre Dame keeps this game even half-ass close, they're in the playoff. All right. Uh, but I liked it. It is because they beat Clemson, and I'm just not sold on Clemson. I think Karma's going to bite Dabo Sweeney in the ass this week. <laughs> Dabo Swinney has said some real jerk-off things the last two weeks, and I've never been a fan of his, and I really am not a fan of his now. And he said some <laughs> stuff these last couple of weeks that if I'd have been in the room, I probably would have punched him. So um, I hope Karma bites him in the ass. I hope in case you don't wins. know, you've been living under a rock. Just go look it up. Yeah. Um, I hope that uh, – I hope I think Notre Dame has a really good chance. I think they will cover, and I think they can win. All right. The SEC title. Number one, Alabama taking on number four, Florida. This game is going to be played in Atlanta. Bama is 17-point favorite. Bama's just been rolling teams all year long. I believe they've won every game this season by at least 15 points. Bo, I told you, watching that Florida game, uh, before they had lost, you know, even halfway through that game, I was watching that, and Alabama just played LSU the week before. I think I texted you, Alabama's going to blow these guys out. They're going to blow the waters off of uh off of Florida 17 points yeah that's fine give me Alabama and all the points I I think they win this by at least three touchdowns okay um you did text me during the Alabama LSU game that Florida is going to get murdered by Alabama then I watched every play of the Florida LSU game LSU went to Florida with 53 players 35 of them, freshmen and sophomores, and they took it to Florida. That game was close, but they beat the hell out of that team the whole four quarters. 
That game was physical, and LSU was the better team, and they beat him. It was the biggest upset, point spread-wise, in like the last 10 or 12 years in the SEC. Um, I don't think that means LSU's back. I think it means Florida is a fraud. I've said for all season that Kyle Trask is no Joe Burrow. I got tired of hearing Marty and McGee say that. And I love Marty and McGee, but they kept saying that Kyle Trask was Joe Burrow. He's no Joe Burrow. And unless somehow they go get Joe, go get Joe Burrow, they got no chance against Alabama. I think there's three teams in the NFL that Alabama could beat. There's a really good team. This was the we said all season. The only team that we know about in college football this season is Alabama. They are far and away better than everybody. This game could be 17. This game could be 25. Yeah. And I would lay the points. Alabama is that much better than everybody in college football. And uh, Mac Jones has a chance to win the Heisman here, too. You know, they might get... story, all of it. They might get a couple of guys in the finalists. They might. And, and Najee Harris and company. Yeah, I mean they they're, they're just spectacular, and that team is is this is the Alabama team. You know, the last couple of teams Alabama's had haven't been as good as the ones three and four years before. This might be the best team they've had, and they're not as flashy with Mac Jones as they were with Tua with Jalen before him, but this reminds me a lot of those Greg those Greg McElroy teams, the teams that were. Really, really good. They didn't have flashy quarterback play, but they could run the ball at you. They're just better athletes in every position. And, yeah, it's this is going to be a blowout. The Big 12 title game, number 10, Oklahoma, taking on number 6, Iowa State. This game going to be played in Arlington, Texas at Jerry World. OU a five-and-a-half-point favorite. If you recall, earlier in the year, these two teams met. It was a heck of a football game. Iowa State won in Ames. By a touchdown, 37-30. to 30, A back-and-forth game. Spencer Rattler threw an interception or two in that one. Brock Purdy uh, led the uh, the go-ahead touchdown drive there and, and, and played lights out. Um, both these teams have gotten better since they last played each other. I think Oklahoma is a different team they, than they were when these two first met. Iowa State, a lot better themselves. But where I look at this, Bo, is that I think Oklahoma wins this time. And I think that the team that Oklahoma is now is right up there with those other playoff teams, except for Alabama. And we mentioned Alabama's at another level. I think this Oklahoma team right now could compete with the best of the playoff teams. Um, Iowa State, really good football team. But I don't think now they are as good as what Oklahoma is they are. They were the better team at one point this year, but I think that time has come and gone. I like Spencer Rattler. I like you. Know, you brought back Ronnie Perkins and Stevenson since they came back from suspension. Oklahoma's been on a whole new level right now. Give me the Sooners and the points. Well, Oklahoma's one of those teams we talked about through the season. We don't know who teams are, and Oklahoma is a different team today than they were a month ago, six weeks ago, and two months ago. I think they're a really good team. They're going to win this game. They're going to cover the spread. Um, I expect them to win by by the touchdown. Uh, could be a, a little more, six, seven, eight, that area. Um, I do like Oklahoma here. I don't disagree with your thinking of they're good enough to be that two, three, four, five, that kind of area. You've got kind of a log jam. I think that 
Alabama's one. If I had to look at just the eye test, I think Ohio State's probably the second best team. But they've only played five games. How do I know that? You know, they they haven't had to go through what Oklahoma went through two months ago. And I think that just as much of the the growing up, the evolving. We mentioned earlier in the podcast about a couple of the NFL teams that have gotten better through the season. You got young guys who went through all the COVID stuff, all the different things, and now they're Oklahoma's gelled as a team. Um, I wouldn't want to play Oklahoma next season, and I definitely wouldn't want them in a bowl game because they're going to show something. I think they're going to win. They're going to win this game big, too. There you have it. We both like the Sooners at five and a half. Big Ten title game, number 14 Northwestern taking on number four Ohio State. This game going to be played Indian in Indianapolis. The Buckeyes, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, we'll start with you this time. What are you thinking about the uh, Big Ten championship? That's a huge number. That's a huge number, 20-and-a-half points. If Ohio State were Alabama, I'd take the point. I'd lay the points. Um, the only game they've been a big, huge favorite like this where we, we, we've we had to pick this season was the game against Indiana, and we weren't sure who Indiana was. I said, give me Ohio State, lay the points, and Indiana played them tough. Northwestern is not Indiana. They're not athletic at all. I – I don't know that I'm torn here. This is the game I think is the hardest of these to call just because of the number. Um, my gut wants me to say take Northwestern in that many points. But I can see Ohio State trying to send a message to say, we are the second best team. We deserve to be in the playoff. Um, you know, I have an opinion about that. I think that, first of all, they shouldn't be in this game. <laughs> right? Big, two, the Big Ten changed the rules. They changed the rules midstream. Now, I get it. They shouldn't have made that rule. And the whole reason the Big Ten's in this, it came back and played this season, was to get Ohio State to here, to get them in the playoff, to get them to a national championship. I'm going to take Northwestern in the points out of my pure scumbag hatred of Ohio State because of what they've done this season. <laughs> um, I Do I think Ohio State's a better team? Yes. Do I think they're 21 points almost better? Maybe. That's just too many damn points to to, to, to not take them. So I'm going to take the points. Well, and uh, I'm taking Northwestern for all the same reasons you had. Um, but I, I think it's worth noting, too, that based on where Ohio State is at in the rankings and how much favoritism they've been given and everything, more than likely – Ohio State doesn't need to have a whole lot of style points to make the playoff. I I wish that they actually had to prove something, um, but unfortunately, everything's been handed to them at this point. Um, it's not like that they really, unfortunately, need to make a statement of some sorts here. And Northwestern, good defense. We saw them hold Wisconsin to seven points and and uh, and do that. So I'll go with uh, Northwestern to cover that uh, twenty and a half point margin. But I like Ohio State yeah, to win I, the game. I have one thing on this. I wanted to say, you know, the the whole Ohio State thing. They've played five games. This will be their sixth. They will have effectively played a little over half a schedule comparatively to every other team vying for a playoff spot. They will basically have played a sixty percent schedule. Now, my argument is simply this. If they win the Big Ten Championship and they are 6-0 and 
and they get into the playoff, if USC wins the Pac-12 championship and is 6-0, USC better have one of those picks. They better be one of those final four if they're undefeated in the conference champion and you have a one-loss Notre Dame and a one-loss Clemson. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Plain and simple. If you're going to hold one standard to Ohio State, damn it, you better give USC the same thing. I don't think USC's as good a team as Ohio State, but you better hold the standard the same way. And if you're not willing to go that far, I don't want to hear your bullshit about Ohio State should be the number two seed. Oh, uh, well, uh, we'll touch on the playoff in, in just yeah, a bit after sorry, the pick I, segment. But uh, I, I like where you're going with that, Bo. Uh, last college game, the American Conference Championship. Number 23, Tulsa, taking on number nine, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a 14-point favorite. Cincinnati has weaseled out of this game a couple times. They were supposed to play in the conference championship, but uh, even the conference kind of helped out Cincinnati. And said, ah, nah, no need to play this week. No, let's. Let's push it off to next week. And Cincinnati, even uh, after being the reason why that this game had to be pushed a couple times, is still going to get home field in this game. Ridiculous how that all plays out. Listen, uh, my, my Tulsa Golden Hurricane have had a phenomenal season this year. Their one loss was to a pretty decent Oklahoma State team in Stillwater week one, and they have just shocked the world all season long. Um, and... They have been a fourth-quarter football team. I've watched a lot of Tulsa football this year, and, and this team doesn't show up for three quarters. Um, this uh, this may be a homer pick, but I really like what I've seen from Tulsa this year. Um, I'll take it. I'll take them with the points at fourteen. Give me the Golden Hurricane to win outright. I think they pull the upset on Cincinnati. You've heard it first on this show. Um, and this is not necessarily even about Cincinnati. I just like what Tulsa's doing all year long. Um, I'll take Tulsa to win the American Conference Championship. Philip Montgomery and company doing a great job there. they got a great defense. Offense is solid. They'll take care of business on the road. I'm not going to make any friends with this pick. Here we go. <laughs> all right, so I've, I agree with you 100% that Tulsa uh, does not show up for three quarters. I watched Tulsa two-lane game which was an awful game. Oh, until, that was electric. Until Tulane, my Tulane Green Wave, came way ahead, had the game in hand, and couldn't play defense for one play at the end of the game. Allowed Tulsa <laughs> to keep their dream alive. I told you I liked my Green Wave to win that game. I was like, I think Tulane can win this game. And you thought I was crazy. My son thought I was crazy. About three people I said, they all thought I was crazy. <laughs> You're going to think I'm crazy again. I'm taking Cincinnati to cover. Cincinnati's a really good football team. They are. And I think that they're a team that if they enroll this game, they, if the right chips fall as they may, they've got an argument for a playoff. They've got an argument. I don't think they're going to get in. I don't think they're going to be high enough. But they, they've got to go and throw a big number on there. I think they're going to try. Okay. All right. So that's the first one that we disagree with. Let's go to the National Football League. Chiefs take it on the Saints. We broke this game down earlier in the show. Chiefs, a three-point favorite. Uh, uh, like I said earlier, you got Taste of Hell involved. Um, I don't think the Chiefs have any reason to worry. And the Chiefs have not covered, I believe, in their last five games. Three points isn't asking too much. I think the Chiefs can win this by four, five, six, heck, maybe even seven, something like that. Um, 
Yeah, that is doable. This is when the line, we, we said on last week's show, Vegas was over-projecting the Chiefs. I think this week things have balanced out a bit. Give me the Chiefs to cover three. Okay, so we talked last week exactly what we talked about last week. I picked the Chiefs last week. It was the first time in a couple, of, time in a couple of weeks I'd taken them because I thought they'd balance the spread thing last week. And I watched the Saints. I watched the Saints last couple of weeks. And I've, I have thought for a couple of weeks that I was a Saints fan. I did not want to see this game. This is the game I'm scared of. I'm scared of Patrick Mahomes. I'm scared of the Chiefs defense. I'm scared of everything. Um, I'm not supposed to overreact from one week to the next. And the Saints just got their ass kicked by the Eagles for three quarters. Um, If I don't pick the Saints here, am I going to get the same treatment that we gave to Tom a couple of weeks ago when he didn't want to pick the Rams? Uh, No, I would not (laughs) give that because Tom deserves a a special – Bit of treatment because uh, this is the this is the guy that spends every minute talking about the Rams. Right. And so I was thinking you're, about you're, this because you're more level headed than he is. Yeah. I will give you a pass. So I am picking the Chiefs. I'll tell you why. Uh, one, I think they're going to the Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, they're going to blow the Saints out. This game is not going to be close. If it is close, it's going to be because the Saints front seven puts so much pressure on Mahomes. But he's so good at getting away from pressure. And you can't blitz him with five and six guys. So I just think, I don't know what that magic mix is going to be for the Saints to make this game close. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think they're going to win by double digits. I think I win this game by 10. What I originally thought, what was the spread going to be? I looked this up a couple days ago. I was thinking, Tuesday morning I got up and I thought, what if the spread's going to be? And I thought in my head, seven, eight. What I saw was three. Part of me wanted to put my mortgage payment on the Chiefs this week, huh. um, but I, I don't do that. I don't. I don't really gamble on these picks, folks. If you're following my picks, you're an idiot. Don't do that. Save your money. Call O'Connor Advisory Group instead. Nice plug. Um, but I really think the Chiefs are a better team. I don't think the Saints are very good. They're smoking mirrors. I'm sitting as a Saints fan, folks. Your Kansas City Chiefs are going to run the shit just right over the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be like road grading in the Super Bowl or the Superdome. And unfortunately, you just can't go out and have too much fun on Bourbon Street this time after. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We both like the Chiefs. Seahawks taking on the Washington football team. Seattle, a five and a half point favorite. There will be no Alex Smith for the Seattle Seahawks uh, or for uh, Washington. It is worth noting. Haskins was playing well before he got benched, actually. That, that's probably a misconception for folks that may not have been following Washington. That was more of a relationship ordeal between Rivera and Dwayne Haskins, why Haskins was set aside. Um, Bo, I like Seattle to win, um, but I think Washington keeps it within five and a half. Seattle taking, let's pretend the Jets game didn't happen because that's an anomaly in itself. Seattle's not playing like they're what they were a couple weeks, even a couple weeks back. Um, I'll go Washington to cover, but I like Seattle to win, keep it at five and a half. Haskins can play good enough to compete with these guys. Uh, Seattle's defense is not good. Except for Jamal Adams, that defense is pretty bad. Um, I really I don't know who the Seahawks are right now. I think the whole thing with Haskins, I agree, is the Ron Rivera thing. He clearly does not like Dwayne Haskins. Um 
Otherwise, why would you even bother playing Alex Smith? I, how old is Alex Smith? He's about 37, 38, I mean, he's, something like he's that. He's not yeah. quite Drew Brees old, but he's up there. Um, I I like Seattle, and I like them to cover. I, I think that Russell Wilson's going to carry this team. They've got to get a couple of big wins if they're going to establish who they are and their identity, getting ready for the playoffs. And I think this is an opportunity for the, for the Seahawks to do something special, to, to get a little better, to improve. And we're just not sure who Washington is. I give a, my hats off to Ron Rivera. He's done a great job this year. I think this is a seven, eight-point game. So I'll take Seattle. All right. The Browns taking on the Giants. The Browns a four-point favorite. This one actually got flexed into Sunday Night Football. Did not anticipate saying that about the Giants at any time in 2020, but here we are. Giants on Sunday Night Football at home taking on this Cleveland team. Um, Cleveland was so great last week. What are you thinking about this matchup, Bo? Cleveland at four. Okay, so I we talked a little earlier. I like what the Browns are doing. I think I saw earlier we were watching, we were recording this. I saw that the, there's a problem with Daniel Jones. I think it was an ankle or something there. I, I who will quarterback if Daniel Jones is the quarterback? Colt McCoy, and he beat Seattle. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh boy, I'm editing myself. I just went beep 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 like three times in my head when I heard the word Colt McCoy. Um, Oh, that makes up my mind for me. Go ahead and give me Cleveland way the points. It was going to be a blowout. Especially if Colt McCoy comes out and has to be the starting quarterback this week. Uh, folks, that's the game. That's the Stone Cold Bo O'Connor Advisory Group lock of the week. I haven't missed on any of those. If I've got the pick, if I've said it's a lock, that's the one, the one I would bet on. This is probably the one I'd bet on. All right. Browns at four. Uh, I, got, I got the Browns here, too. They have kicked it in gear. They've kicked it up a notch. That offense has come alive. Uh, the Giants are improved. And Joe Judge, people gave the Giants a lot of crap for making that higher. I think they've surpassed expectations uh, this year. Give credit where credit's due, but I still got the Browns to take care of business there on the road. Patriots taking on the Dolphins. We mentioned earlier, must-win game for the Dolphins in the playoff push. Um, but you hate it anytime that Bill Belichick has to be the guy you go up against for a must-win. Uh, Miami favored at two and a half. They're the home team. Bo, who you got here? I like the Dolphins. I, I like what Brian Flores is doing. You know, he's going against the old master in Belichick. Um, I still think Belichick's playing chess instead of checkers with everybody else. And I think Belichick doesn't care if he wins this game or not. I, I really think that there's something going on with that. And uh, I guess that's really a conspiracy theorist in me a little bit on that. But uh, I really like who the Dolphins are. And I expect their defense to play well. Cam Newton's been awful, and I just—I don't know who these Patriots are. It's like a, it's like the team from Major League in many ways. You know the the two guys that go on. You know who the hell are these guys? That's really what I think when you look at the Patriots roster. This isn't the New England Patriots. That roster's not a Bill Belichick roster. And I think that's—I think half these guys are going to be gone next season. Again, I think he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, but I don't think this week even matters to Bill Belichick. Give me Flores, give me the Dolphins. You know, everything about this screams trap game for the Dolphins. You just picked off Patrick Mahomes three times last week, and even though you lost, you, you feel good. You competed with the best team in football and took him down You know, to a six-point game. You feel good about that. Um, you got a young quarterback. 
going up against Bill Belichick, who's been great against young quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, you're, you're playing, uh, you know, a, a Patriots team that's been so inconsistent. You lost to him earlier this year. Everything about this screams trap game, but uh, the Dolphins, they, they've, they're hitting something. They're hitting their stride of sorts. I like the Dolphins uh, to win and cover that two-and-a-half-point margin. Last one for you. Eagles taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals are a six-and-a-half-point favorite going up against Philly. We mentioned earlier, Philly kind of had a spark of sorts since Jalen Hurts has taken over. Arizona uh, struggled there for a bit, had a nice bounce-back win against the Giants last week. This game in Arizona. Bo, we'll, we'll let you start. Who you got in this one? Um, I like Arizona. Um, I do like what the Eagles seem to have um, – gotten a little of uh, some life to them with Jalen Hurts, as you put it. And I, I think he is their quarterback. I think he should be their quarterback in 2021. Um, every time I hear the name Jalen Hurts, are you familiar with the uh, Alabama v- YouTube video guy? It's um, Funny Man Jermaine. You're familiar with this? No. Uh, there's a guy who's – look him up. He's on. He does videos each week about how you watch an Alabama game. And when Jalen Hurts is the quarterback – he had a face when it was a good one that he would say, you'd watch the Alabama game and you go, come on, Jalen, come on, Jalen. And then, you, <laughs> you, then you'd be upset when he makes a bad play. And come, come on, Jalen. I want to root for Jalen Hurts. I'm an LSU fan, but I love Jalen Hurts. I loved him in Alabama. I I really love how he handled the whole Tua thing. Um, I He earned my respect with that. I think that he – I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback – but I think the Eagles should give him a chance. I don't think it's enough this week. I think they're going to come off the high of beating the Saints, go out to Arizona, and Arizona's going to show them something. Um, Arizona needs to win. They need the game more than the Eagles do. Um, I'm rooting for the Eagles. I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. But uh, I think the Eagles are going. I think the Cardinals are going to pull it off. They're going to cover. I'll uh, I'll go with the Eagles to cover. I like the Cardinals to win, but six and a half too many points. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jalen's playing good. Uh, they found some new life of some sorts. The Cardinals are not the team that they were about a month or so ago. Uh, they hit a wall of some sorts. Yeah, they bounced back last week, but um, and I know they're comp- competing for a playoff spot and everything, but um, too many points here. Give me the Cardinals to win, but the Eagles to cover. So there you have it. That's our O'Connor advisory group picks. Can pick them for this week. By the way, here's TJ's picks. He's going with Clemson, uh, which you and I did not take. We took Notre Dame. Uh, he's got Alabama. He's agreeing with us. Um, he's going Iowa State. You and I took Oklahoma. He's going with Ohio State. He'll also be on the call for that game. Uh, that's, that's big for TJ. Get to do that game. Uh, Ohio State Northwestern, the national radio broadcast on uh, Compass Media Networks. Uh, check your local listings there. Uh, he agrees with me on Tulsa. Uh, you went with Northwestern. And then uh, all three of us have the Chiefs, and uh, he's going with you on Seattle. I took the football team, and we all agree on the Browns, and uh, we all agree on the Dolphins, and then he and I each took the Eagles, and you took the Cardinals. So there you have it. That is this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisor Group. Pigskin pick them. Follow along with us all season long as we make our picks each and every week. And after this week, after the college football regular season ends, uh, we're going to add in, we're going to pick bowl games, uh, try to pick five a week. 
if it gets to a point where we can't get to five games, then we'll fill up the slate with NFL games. We'll do what we can to pick 10 games every week as long as possible. So that's how that will work there. All right, um, let's go ahead and get to uh, talking college football playoff where things stand right now. So number one in the college football playoff poll is Alabama. Two, Notre Dame. Three, Clemson. And four, Ohio State. That would be the playoff if the playoff started today. On the outside looking in, you have number five, Texas A&M. Number six, Iowa State. Florida loses to a LSU team that had a losing record and only dropped one spot to number seven in the rankings. Georgia passes up Cincinnati after Cincinnati didn't play last week. Moves up to eight. Cincinnati drops to nine. Oklahoma finds themselves in the top ten now, gaining one spot, and uh, moves to a number ten there. While Indiana goes to 11, and Coastal Carolina sits at 12, and number 13 is USC. Um, And that's where all the important teams are of sorts uh, right now. So that's kind of the playoff picture. So here's the scenarios that we're looking at. Alabama is in. They are in. Um, I would think that even if they somehow lost by 10 points or something like that to Florida, which I really just don't see happening, especially we picked that earlier, the committee I think would still even understand of some sorts. They've been so dominant. As long as the bus don't crash between Tuscaloosa and Alabama, <laughs> they're going to be in the playoffs. So Alabama, we'll see you in, uh, in January. Number two, Notre Dame. As long as you don't get blown out, which, based on our picks, we both of us didn't think that's going to happen, you are in. We'll see you in January. Clemson has to win the ACC title. They cannot be a two-loss team, uh, a non-conference champion. Clemson has to win the ACC to get in. So that spot, the third spot's up for grabs. Ohio State, now, as much as I think that it's ridiculous that – they are even a part of this discussion right now. And, you know, they have no business being there with playing half a season. Well, everybody's worked their asses off to to play a full season and be in this spot. And the fact that they were handed a Big Ten division title and handed all the things they've been given, unfortunately, they're a win away from the college football playoff. That's the reality of it. I hate that, but it's true. Um, so Ohio State. Much like Clemson, same situation, win and you're in. If they lose, though, um, they're done. And then, is it Texas A&M? Is it the Big 12 champion? An OU or or, uh, Iowa State team? Does USC make a case um, to come up the polls of some sorts? Does Coastal Carolina, does everything somehow go their direction? Or Cincinnati or something like that? Who knows? Um, but here, if, if you made me predict today of how this all shapes out, I would tell you, I think this top four is going to remain the same and that, uh, you know, the, the same four teams, I think we would shuffle the order a little bit. Um, I think what you would see then is, uh, the committee would do what they can to avoid a Clemson Notre Dame rematch. So I think Clemson wins. Notre Dame drops to number four. And so you have Alabama, Notre Dame in one playoff game. 
Clemson, Ohio State in the other. I think that's the most likely situation uh, out in all this. But if something just doesn't go to according to plan of some sorts, if Notre Dame wins and Clemson loses, or if Ohio State loses, then things get interesting. But that's kind of the scenario that we're under right now. Are we on the same page there? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I do think that, you know, if they – if Clemson wins, we assume that Clemson's going to win this game, being there, what, a 10-point favorite? Yeah. And we assume Ohio State's going to win. So I think you're right on that those two wins, the same four teams are in. The committee's going to have to find a way to not have Clemson-Notre Dame three unless it's a national championship game. So I think if Clemson wins, I think – and Ohio State wins – Ohio State's going to move to two. And I think that Clemson's going to stay at three, and Notre Dame's going to drop to four. And you're going to see Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. Um, I think they want to avoid a third Notre Dame. I think you're spot on with that. They want to avoid a third Clemson-Notre Dame game. Now, the monkey wrench in the whole operation here is a Notre Dame win. Yeah. A Notre Dame win, which could happen. I don't think it's likely. I'd love to see it, frankly. Clemson's out. Now you've got Notre Dame locked in at two because Bama ain't going to lose. I mean, unless unless somehow the Chiefs show up in Atlanta dressed <laughs> up as the Florida, as Florida, as the Florida Gators, Alabama ain't going to lose. Um, Notre Dame stays two. If Ohio State wins, they're going to go up to three, and then you're sitting at four, and you go, okay, who we got? I don't think it's a Big 12 champion. I don't think a two-loss team can get in. I just don't think a team can win that argument. I don't think Oklahoma can win that argument. I don't think Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State should be some six overall anyway. Um, I think that the same thing, I wouldn't take Florida or Georgia. So now that leaves me with taking – A&M, who didn't play in their league's championship game. That's always been the big fight in the SEC West. They only played eight games. Only played eight games. Coastal, 11-0. Cincy, if they win, be 9-0. And Coastal plays in a conference title game this week, too. Yeah. So So 12-0. They could be 12-0. And USC... Sitting at 5-0, they got to play a game. They're playing Oregon in Pac-12 championship. That's no guarantee for USC. Oregon could snipe them. I'll make the argument. I kind of said this earlier. If Ohio State can get in at 6-0 and USC wins the Pac-12 at 6-0, USC should get in at 6-0. Absolutely. If they if they go allow one in, they should allow both of them in. Now, the, the argument against that is if – Clemson beats Notre Dame, Ohio State wins, you would look at the eye test and say, yeah, Ohio State's a better team than USC. Fine. I have a suggestion okay. for the college football committee. Let's just take Alabama out and let them sit on the sidelines. And let's let two through five play. <laughs> and the winner of two through five gets a shot at Alabama. Why not at this point, right? Um, this is the argument for not why you shouldn't have a 14 playoff. 
Now, I kind of like the 14 playoff, but this and it's a wonky year. And what's weird about it is that Ohio State has only played five games. USC's only played five games. Um, I'm looking at this now. A&M's only played eight. I mean, these are teams that you would have played 12. Yeah. And then the argument against A&M is, well, you didn't win your own division. Now, I have always said that the problem is the strongest division in college football is the SEC West. Alabama, A&M is good. Traditionally, LSU is very good. They're the defending champs. You can finish second in that division with one loss and be a really good team. So I can hear that argument. But it's hard to say, hey, you didn't even play for your conference title. Why the hell should you be in this game? The other team that I think I would love to see get a chance is Coastal. I'll tell you why. Coastal stepped up a couple weeks ago. They didn't have a game, and they said, who's the team that wants to play us? And BYU said, we'll play you guys. And they said, bring it. With three days to prepare. Three days to prepare. And that was a really good game. And Coastal played, and they beat BYU. And people thought that BYU was the one team that could bust this whole thing. They were the one team that if they went undefeated, it would be hard to argue them not get in. And Coastal took it to them. I asked you last week, you think is Coastal the best team Kansas played this year? No, I think Oklahoma. You think it's Oklahoma? I'm not convinced that it's not. Now, I could be dead wrong. I'll admit I could be dead wrong. But they played 11 games. They'll play their 12th game this week. And you can only beat who's put in front of you. And they went and got a game. Last week when Michigan on last Monday dropped out of the game against Ohio State, their AD did the classy thing. I know Wisconsin's AD did the classy thing and said, hey, get Ohio State into that game. And that's why Ohio, the Big Ten changed their rule, let Ohio State play in this game. Ohio State should have called Coastal. They should have called Coastal. Coastal would have played them. Should have called Coastal or Texas A&M or Oklahoma. Call Coastal, or somebody. And, say, call Coastal and say, hey, you guys come to the big house and play uh, the big house, the, the horseshoe. Come play us up here. We'll get this game on national television. You're going to get a big payoff. It's great for your school. And if you beat us, you're going to get the playoff. It also would have helped Ohio State's resume. It would have helped alleviate this problem. They could have been proactive. They're resting on their laurels of, Ooh, we're Ohio State. And let's be real honest. What's happened to Ohio State these last three seasons when they've gone to the playoff? They've gotten their asses kicked. Yeah. It was a close game with Clemson last year. Came yeah, they got the outplayed. They got outplayed in that game. I watched that game. Right, they got outplayed in that game. And it, they're not as good as they think they are. Ohio State thinks they're Alabama. Right. And they're not. Well, and, and, and here's my thing with Ohio State as far as this supposed – I test and and I had uh, Brando on my radio show Saturday uh, talking about this. Is uh, you know the the I test as Brando put it is just another term for the playoff privileged is all it really really is. well put. And with the supposed I test that Ohio State has passed apparently by the so called experts is 
you beat an unathletic Indiana team at seven by seven at the horseshoe. And that's what you've done for your eye test of sorts. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch. I'm curious what they do against Northwestern this week, sure. But nothing's they, they have done is any better than USC. Yeah. Their resume, their eye test, whatever you want to call it, is nothing more than what USC yeah. is. Yeah. Two questions. What's Ohio State's signature win this year? Indiana. That's it. And he's had a good season. Yeah. Good for those guys. And and, and, sure. and if you watch that game, and I watched a, part, a lot of that game, Indiana played punch for punch with Ohio State, and every time Ohio State scores, comes Indiana again. Picked off Haskins three times. Or, I, uh, I, not Haskins. See, uh, every go. Ohio State quarterback feels the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that – Justin uh, Fields Justin three Fields, times. Yeah. So I, I just think that a lot of it is Ohio State gets a lot of love because – they're the Big Ten darling. The Big Ten wants so bad to be the SEC, and they're just not. Hey, blame Jim Harbaugh and blame Michigan because you don't have another team other than Ohio State in that conference. And Ohio State has taken on really what has been an average at best conference for the last few years. They happen to recruit fairly well. Right. They're always in the top five in recruiting. But that doesn't mean you should be a blue blood that should get into the playoff. Yeah. I, I just don't think that they should get the play. I don't care if they win the game by 50 against Northwestern. They don't have a signature win. They no. shouldn't be in there. If they wanted to do something, this whole thing was set up for the Big Ten to come back was for Ohio State to do this. And what really set me off was that when Ohio State did not play the game against Michigan, it was not Ohio State's fault. I get that. I'm not mad about that, but that was the rule. They set it as a conference. You've got to be within two games of everybody else. You have to be within that two games to get in. And then I thought it was classy of the AD at Michigan, the AD at Wisconsin, to come in and say, yeah, they need to be in. But they're just looking at it as money. Money. We're looking for everyone. We need Ohio State to get into that playoff because we are all short money right now. Right. And – that's the whole reason. This is all about the money. This has been the weirdest college football year ever. Um, I, I I feel horrible for these kids across the nation in every program. I don't think a lot of them should be playing. We've seen it here locally. We've seen it everywhere in every conference and in every school where these kids are getting COVID. These kids are getting sick. They're, it, it, they're taking advantage of them because the university needs the money. The program needs the money. The, 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 everything's about the dollar in the end. Right. Um, going back to what we're really focusing on here is this playoff. I really have a problem with Ohio State getting in, though. If if it were up to me, I would uh, I would put, let's say, I know I picked Tulsa to win, but if Cincinnati wins out, I would put them in. If Coastal Carolina won out, I would put them in. And have the undefeated conference uh, those uh, those guys in. Um, if in, in that case, assume, if Clemson lost, yeah. If Clemson lost, then give me Cincinnati, and uh, your if uh, if Clemson won, rather, just give me Cincinnati to take that spot instead of Ohio State. That's how I would look at it yeah. to play those playoff scenarios. Um, but you know, I hate it for. It's going to work out this way. It's a 
you know, the, the BCS would have been almost better this year than the playoff would have been. Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree with that. I think they should almost just cancel the playoff. This is the perfect year to just do bowl games. Yeah. To match up games. To ma- Look, we know who the national champion is. We know. Yeah. We know right now the best team in the country is Alabama. If you took the best players from Clemson and Ohio State, put them together on a team, they ain't going to beat Alabama. Not this season. They've just done a better job than everybody else. Yeah. I, I, I And so, again, what I'd like to see this season, and you can't cancel a playoff. I get it. That's too much money. But if there's ever been a year to not have a playoff, to not have a BCS, to not have a national champion, to a year where you can say it's truly about the kids, have the bowl games, have matchup Notre Dame against USC, matchup Clemson and Ohio State, matchup Cincinnati, if they win their title, and Coastal in a game. Come on, we'd all want to watch that game. Really, a sports fan would love that. Two, I mean, he's fighting for respect. Or let them play a big dog. Let Coastal play A&M. Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Those sort of things. Let those things happen. This would be the year where I'd want to see that. Um, but going back to what I think is going to happen, I think we're going to end up having the same. Yeah, Bob, with you. you know, same page there. Um, those would be some good games. Uh, I'm glad we're still having the playoff. What I don't like about as far as this playoff, too, is if the Rose Bowl's not going to have any fans, if they're not going to let parents see their own kids play on the biggest stage of their lives, get the hell out of here. Play that game in Dallas or another bowl game or something like that. To me, that's another thing, and it's being yeah. talked about, potentially moving them out of the playoff this year. Um, you can't host fans and someone else can. Get out. Yeah, I – I, I sympathize with you on that. Um, and, again, it just goes back to how crazy this year has been. You know, we've all been going through the COVID stuff. It's changed how we've, we're consuming sports. It's, consu- it's changed how we're playing sports. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I That's why I'm kind of in the favor of why do we even need the playoff? I, I, I think some bowl games would be fun to play and let them do that. Um, and don't focus on – trying to get the fans in the stands. We need to all be safe. And I I know we're all kind of disagreeing on stuff there, but uh, this could be all making a mountain out of a molehill as well if these games go the way they think we're going to go. Yeah. These same four teams are there, and just let them play. Again, I got a pretty good idea who ends up at the top at the end. All right. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom's out, but we still got something good for you. And, uh, Bo, I have a list from – LiveBoldAndBloom.com of <laughs> the signs how to tell if she wants a serious relationship with you. Okay. Now, as as you being of our crew here, the one who's been married the longest, okay. Um, I figure that you could be the one that inspects this and says if this is true or not. Okay. Yes. If this is you know just fraud, or if this is just made up, or. You kind of investigate this. I have, I have a lot of experience here. 21 yeah. years of marriage. I love you, baby. <laughs> Always keep, number one, keep them on your good side. Yes. Mama's <laughs> not having no one. That's that. right, right. All right. Number one, she changes her habits to spend more time with you. Absolutely. Is that true? Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, 
And if if that's going, things must be going really well. Yes, if she wants to spend time with you. It's the other way around. You got to worry about. Yeah. If you if now if you're willing to give up Saturday, which are for the boys, um, I would actually question if you've given too much in at that yeah, point. You've, yeah. been, you've been here as long as I have. You let it go. <laughs> Number two. This one I feel like's a given though. She asked if you've deleted the dating app from your phone. Okay, so Isn't I don't have. kind of implied? I think it's kind of implied. Uh, I, I, I've i never had the dating app thing as I've been married longer than those have been around. So, But I can see that, yeah. All right. Third one. She asked if you're dating anyone else. Again, implied. Yeah, this isn't brain surgery so far. You should have to ask. Be able to figure that out. Yeah. You got to return fire on that question, though. <laughs> Number four. She asks if you see yourself getting married or having children. That's a big question. You know what? It's a red flag if it's early, though. If a woman asks you that real early in the relationship, that means she's pushing that way. It means she's pushing that way. You might want to be a little worried. Right. Run. Be, Run. Not necessarily, but just be warned. <laughs> Number five. She, now, this one, I, I might be a little weirded out, to be honest. She's creating a scrapbook slash photo album for the two of you. We have smartphones now. We don't need scrapbooks. Yeah, that's a little bad shit there. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, we don't have, I don't, we probably have something like that at our place. But, uh, yeah, I, if she's jumping into that early, she she wants it and she wants still wants you to stay around. Yeah. All right. Uh, she's looking at bride magazines or books on marriage. Okay, you see the bride magazines, Joe House. If you're not ready, you better hit the eject button. <laughs> Hit the eject. He's going up to paint. I'm telling you, if you start seeing bride books, because you know where they go for that, they say, I was helping my friend. No, 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 no. They're looking. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't know that one. I, I learned something today. Uh, next one. Number eight. She makes a, uh, or actually number seven. We'll get to eight in just a second. She wants to tackle her bucket list with you. That's a married person thing. My wife would talk about stuff we want to do all the time where you want to travel, where you want to go to. And as you get older together, you figure out that those dreams, wants, and needs are the same. So, again, getting a little ahead. Yeah, I think it's getting a little ahead. But, uh, yeah, if she says, hey, I want to go do this, it's important to me, uh, they could just be asking for your reaction, too. But uh, So far, these are pretty much no-brainers. Okay. Number eight, she makes a financial investment in your relationship. Okay, so I'm also a financial advisor. Um, if that means she's talking about buying a house, I can see that. Yes, it means she wants to get serious. Depends on what you call a financial interest. I'd have to see the example, but I can see where they're going with that. Yeah. Um, Doesn't, if she's in, here's what the description goes to say. If she's investing money in things she wants to do with you, like movies, theatrical performances, exclusive events, travel plans. Okay, some of that, yeah. I think if it's big things, you know, buying a house, signing a lease. Uh, then that's obvious. That's obvious. If it's um, she wants to pay the check more often, that could also be that she has some guilt if she makes more money than you. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. Number nine, um... She asked to meet your family or friends. 
Yeah. I, I would separate the family and the friends. The friends could be just somebody to hang out. With. Hey, look, I'm gonna tell you as a dude, you need to you need to get your girl around your friends a little bit. And here's why: you got to make sure that she can handle that. Because mm-hmm. ain't nothing worse than your girl don't like your boys, or worse, your boys don't like your girl. I had a great line a few months ago, about about a year ago. Some buddies were giving me grief about something. We were leaving a party. I was with my wife. We're at a party. And some of the guys said, oh, you going to leave now? I said, guys, I'd rather fight all of you than her. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, number 10, she buys or makes things for your family members. The makes things scares me. Um, that would scare me more. You know, none of these are too far out there. But yeah, I see that. All right. A uh, couple more on this list she talks about getting a pet especially a dog okay now hey we just had this issue we did not have a dog for a long time we had a cat years ago we first got married my wife and i had a cat i i'm allergic to cats didn't know it at the time um the cat didn't last long we got a dog about six years ago and then as covid started we got a second dog this was not my choice I have fought that battle for a long time. I just could not continue the good fight. We got a second dog. Been a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> second dog. The second dog shredded a pillow in our living room again today. Oh, feathers everywhere. Looks like some out of a movie. Your dog Chipper Jones. Chipper. Chipper. Yeah, Chipper. That one we named Chipper Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, if if they're wanting to get a pet with you again, it's something to solidify. I think the bigger concerns here, from what I'm seeing, is they're trying to lure you in with these things. Yeah. They want to be serious, and they're luring you in. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. That's yeah. what I'm more careful of. All right. Um, next one. She talks about moving in together. Big commitment for a woman. For a man, not as big a commitment. For a woman, it's a big commitment. Uh, I get that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm in the process. It's no secret if you weren't listening. <laughs> if you miss it at the beginning of the show, somehow fast forward through and miss it, whatever. I'm moving myself in a couple weeks. And, and I'm not moving in with anybody. I'm just living by myself. And I can't help but think, oh, my gosh, the moving and all that that goes into. Um, I, I would stress out over moving in with somebody just because I'm I'm stressing out just moving myself, yeah. let alone someone else. It puts, last, a lot of, it puts a lot of pressure on a relationship. Right? Last one. She drops the L-bomb. The L-O-V-E. Okay, that one's not necessarily that she is thinking about a relationship that could just be love i mean it could be infatuation some people don't know how to express love yeah so I, I don't know about that one i mean it makes sense there's nothing that's too crazy out there as far as this is what the the lady likes about you yeah those are all signs that she wants to be with you uh the biggest thing is is that are you are you prepared for those things Ooh. make yourself ready and if you see those and you're not ready hit the eject button here you have. It. Hopefully, you learned something today, folks. Uh, the, the there's only one show that's going to provide you gambling picks, uh, insights, and all those football games, the college football playoff, and then a little love help too. That's the Jones Report. Big thanks to Diana Rossini from ESPN for stopping by. You, the listener, as well, Bo. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me in today. This thanks is a lot of fun. For Tom and- Always keep the seat warm for him. He'll be back next week, hopefully. And yeah, yeah. Thank you, and congrats to you with everything going on. And uh, man, happy for you. And uh, thank you. We'll be, we'll be keeping in touch. No doubt. No doubt.
Uh, not far at all. One bit. Absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll, I'll still be on here for a few more weeks doing these picks, too. Yeah. Hey, course. do you remember? Don't bet on my picks. Don't do it. Don't. No, no, no. Reach out to your counter advisor. That's right, man. If you the, the sure money is to get it in, is the, you know, the act of saving. There you have it. And you where go. can people contact you? Hey, uh, OAGKS.com for O'Connor Advisor Group here in Kansas. So OAGKS.com. Hit the contact us. You can catch me right there. Uh, you can also message us on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. There you have it. Uh, make sure Coach Bo on Twitter. Yes. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review the uh, Jones Report. Give us five stars. So don't go, give us uh, a review at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, and Tyler Jones Live. You can find me there as well. And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday for another edition of the Jones Report. Also, got a new episode of Let's Go Racing with David Starr out this week as well on uh, those same podcast platforms and YouTube. And uh, we, we thank Diana. She's awesome. She's a rock star, one of my favorite people on the planet. And she's welcome back anytime. We'll charge ahead. Have a great r- weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. So long.